It's time for DLC, your downloadable conversation for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be completely free, and that's thanks to our sponsor this week, Linda. Oh, Linda, bringing the show to you, DLC. It's special this week. Oh my gosh, we're live from E3. Uh, it is halfway through E3 already. We are at the end of Tuesday night, which is actually the actual day one, but day zero is a big day. We're going to talk all about all of the conferences uh, that we can cram into this time period. Uh, I'm sitting in a hotel room in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, I had a whole big day, went to all the conferences yesterday. I have some awesome people with me. I have Christian Spicer, my co-host slash friend slash nemesis that you guys know well. Hello, Christian. Hello, Mr. Kanata. Welcome to E3 2015. Hey, buddy, what's up? Dude, that hype train is choo-choo-chewing along. I think this is one of the best E3s in recent memory, but we'll get all to that. I have to also introduce our buddy who's here to help us sort through all of this E3 madness, Zav D'Amatos. Welcome back, Zav. I don't even know what year it is. They announced Shenmue. They announced Final Fantasy VII. What year is this E3 happening? Time travel is hard, my friend. It's Time travel ridiculous. is hard. Okay, so... um. I have I have been scatterbrained. I have been running from meeting to meeting all day. I don't have a clear plan for how we should do this. I don't think we should do it in chronological order because the first conference was Bethesda. I think maybe we should save the the uh, third party stuff for the end. We'll we'll focus on the big three console guys. Sort through all that stuff because there's so much to talk about. This isn't going to be your normal episode. We're going to talk all about E3. Um, so I hope you guys are having as much fun as I am with this E3. It's been awesome. So let's just start. Uh, let's start with the first of the console uh, press conferences, which was Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zav, why don't we just start with you? We'll step through everything they announced, but just sort of overall, what was your take on Microsoft's uh, E3 2015 presentation? I thought it was a really good focus on uh, some exclusive stuff that's coming to the Xbox Um the backwards compatibility thing was huge. They took a nice little dig at Sony when they when they mentioned it, which what's is exactly what Sony did when they uh, poked them about being able to play used games and sharing, you know, the copy that you own of your game right. on your PS4 back in the day. So that was nice. That was that was funny for them to be able to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, it just they had a lot of really neat stuff. I'm always hesitant now, though, whenever Microsoft gets us amped for something, because last year we were talking about like what Phantom Dust and <laughs> and all these other things that they announced last year that weren't even at the show this year. Oh wow, so, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. So I mean, I'm hesitant to be like, yeah, those new things that they announced look awesome. Like, all right, well, where was Crackdown? Where was well? Um, they did. They did say they were not going to bring Crackdown to the show. They announced that ahead of time, and they said it's going to be a Gamescom game. So I was very disappointed. I'm I'm a huge Crackdown fan, but it's not like it was a bait and switch. They said, you know, loud and clear, they weren't bringing that to the show. But um, you know, I was right. disappointed I mean, it wasn't there. There was there was some interesting things like that Elite Controller. I was like, all right, this is weird, but they're they're approaching a market that you know, obviously MLG and, and esports is a huge market, so they're approaching that. And I thought it sounded like a neat idea. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll pick up one of those controllers. And then I found out how much it cost. Yeah, 150 bucks. 150 bones for that thing. Yeah. That's that's a pretty penny. I held uh, one today, though. They are real nice. Um, I have to say, they are really, really high quality. It comes in this cool case, and it's got the alternate parts in the case, so you can swap out that that cool sort of polygonal 
D-pad thing that they showed. You can swap that out with a, with a sort of more traditional D-pad that comes in the case with it. It yeah. feels hefty in your hand. Those pedal shifters underneath your index finger and your, uh, you know, your middle finger are really awesome and nice. The whole thing feels very high quality. You're paying for it. It's, it's at a premium, but it, it does feel very nice. Yeah, those controllers exist, uh, you know, outside of the, the third party market has stuff like that. And, and you do pay a premium for things like that. Uh, it was interesting to see them try to get into that market. I, it was not something that I even thought was going to be on their radar. Um, they did kind of tease a couple things earlier in the week that, you know, they, they announced that the 349 price on the Xbox one is just going to be its regular price now, rather than it being the special offer that's been going on for the last couple of months or year. Um, uh, and the terabyte. Yeah. Uh, console is the price of the original Xbox One. No, uh, Connect Connect exists. I feel like Microsoft could have announced that they're you can get a free Connect at a fill up at a Shell station near you. At this point, they're just giving <laughs> them a, like they, who cares about Connect anymore? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I was really surprised at how interested and crazy people went about backwards compatibility. That was the I, thing that really shocked me. I agree, Christian. This is kind of your your topic right you love the services you want to be playing all those old games are, are you excited that microsoft is is talking backwards compatibility for xbox one i think the xbox one would be in such a different place if this executive team was in charge when the xbox one launched um, backwards compatibility what it is is it's trying to convince people that haven't jumped into the new current generation yet all those 360 owners to go to the Xbox One. You want to carry over your users. It makes so much sense. Doing it now, there are still are a lot of people that haven't made the jump to the new generation, and I think this will convince them. One thing that really stinks about this announcement, though, is when you look at the games that are back compatible, it's very, very few games. They're going to be adding more, you know, as the weeks and years go on or whatever, but the chance of your game being added at this point, if you don't see it, it's kind of, it's kind of roulette. Like, like Zav was saying, uh, the Connect doesn't really have support anymore. Phantom Dust has been canceled. Um, I think it's Wombat from, you know, a friend of the show and, and CADCast and stuff talks about a game doesn't exist until you can buy it. And I, I think that goes a long way for this backwards compatibility announcement where no game is backwards compatible on your Xbox One until you can actually play it. So while it's a cool bullet point, the 10 games currently available for backwards compatibility seems bland. Well, yeah. it, they, they haven't actually rolled out the service yet. I mean, it, it supposedly True. is is rolling out in the fall. And at well, that I have point- actually played it myself. Oh, because yeah. Because I'm in the preview program. Uh, so if you go to your library, any uh, digital game that you have that's backwards compatible just shows up in the games that you own. You can download it and play it right away. Hmm. Um, so like uh, the two games that I happen to have are Toy Soldiers Cold War, which is an XBLA game, and um, Viva Pinata trouble in paradise mm-hmm. and i just downloaded it worked fine not a problem so like this is the thing the details of this announcement and i started to cut you off jeff but the details of the, this announcement didn't come until later mm-hmm. when they did their like xbox you know post show briefing stage show right where they were talking about the reason why it's so limited is because they need to go and relicense every single one of those games right so the, the it will just work they say like games the only games that won't work is because the technology is built such that the Xbox one basically has a an Xbox 360 uh, virtual console built into the system now with the software update mm-hmm. so it's not like it's looking for USB devices so they say things like rock band guitar hero, 
anything that used USB peripherals will not be backwards compatible. Just can't do it because the system itself doesn't know where to look. It doesn't recognize those USB inputs because it doesn't know it's an Xbox One. It just thinks it's a virtual 360. Right. But Indrid in the chat brings up a good point. You know, the, he says, or she, they say, the best part of backwards compatibility is that Halo, Gears, and Forza aren't on the list. Why? And, you Great know, question. I don't want to play into conspiracy theories, but we have the Master Chief Collection. There's getting mm-hmm. Gears 1 remastered. Are they going to make a Gears 2 remaster when I can just play Gears 2 on my Xbox One? Like this whole, again, I, I think what the current executive team is doing with the Xbox One is leaps and bounds better and more focused than how it launched. But it, I think it's hard to have this be your deciding factor to finally jump into the current generation. You know, like Jeff, does this does this do anything for you? For me, the Elite Controller does more and I'm surprised. I had played with some of these third-party versions of that controller i'm surprised that all controllers aren't like this like why when games are why don't we use all of our fingers all of the time and why do we still play games where we need to take our hands off of an input device to push a different part of that input device like we have mm-hmm. five fingers use them um i think that's a bigger deal than than 10 backwards compatible games right now well, I mean, you bring up a few different issues. I, I had an interview today with uh, Aaron Greenberg, who's the head of games marketing at Microsoft, and I talked to him a lot about the backwards compatibility issue. Um, they're, they're saying over 100 games by fall and then updates every month, and the updates, he said, will be hundreds of games at a time. So obviously that's just words right now, but it, it seems like that's the plan as far as getting games into that channel. And the way it works is exactly the way you would want it to work. If you own the game, if, if your gamer score says you own it, if your gamer profile says you own it, you just can download it like Zav was talking about. And for me, you know, I'm not as excited about, uh, a lot of the disked games, but there's so many Xbox Live arcade games that I own that I would still want to play that really don't have anything to do with how powerful or not powerful your system is that I just love the fact that I can just download those now. And and yeah, that terabyte Xbox one is more and more attractive because you're going to fill that thing up uh, pretty quick when you're downloading a a lot of your backwards compatible games, because they're all going to have to be installed. Uh, That's how that works. But um, I I just think it, I think it's very cool. Backwards compatibility for me has never been a huge uh, uh, feature that I want just because I'm, I'm sort of newest, latest, best guy. I, I, I want the next thing rather than the previous thing. But for those Xbox Live arcade games that I own so many of, mm-hmm. I, I think it's really cool. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. But I feel like this is people are like, oh, wow, it's something that they're, you know, bringing back to us and, and they appreciate it. But I mean, this is something that would have been nice at launch. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when we're waiting and it's like we're walking through the Sahara Desert looking for video games to play on our new consoles, it would have been nice to play some of these old 360 games. So it's a nice thing that they're throwing in there and it gave them the opportunity to take a shot at Sony, I guess. Like that's what these companies do at this point now. <laughs> it's yeah. just scream about each other without referencing <laughs> them, themselves or each other. So, I mean, like that's totally fine. It was just like other stuff that happened at the conference I thought was was more interesting, like the HoloLens preview or, or, or demo of uh, Minecraft, I thought looked very interesting. Oh, I don't man, know that yeah. HoloLens is something that I would want to buy, but I didn't think I'd want to buy VR. And I really am interested in checking out like Valve VR with HTC and, and I have the Rift uh, D, uh, DK2. But like HoloLens, that demo looked pretty rad. Amazing. Yeah. I You know, I'm I'm surprised that there isn't more of that 
in these big showcases. And I've been talking to a lot of people on the show floor about that. And the consensus seems to be that nobody knows how to show it. Uh, Microsoft, I think, did a great job of showing it. They had that crazy camera that was built to to show what you see from the HoloLens's perspective. But, uh, you know, we only got barely a whisper of, of Project Morpheus before it was shuffled off. And, and yet Project Morpheus is a big big presence at the Sony booth and is a big part of their future. Uh, you know, I was one who predicted that this show would be a lot about VR. We're not seeing that. And I think a lot of it has to do with you can't convey it to an audience at a press conference. You know, they had those wraparound screens at the Sony show and they tried to show kind of what you would see in the wraparound screen. And, and that's just, it's clumsy. It doesn't, it doesn't convey how cool it feels. And I think that's going to be a real problem going forward, but Microsoft managed to make Minecraft uh, in, in VR seem, or excuse me, AR seem so fresh and so interesting and so cool. I, I thought that was the, the biggest wow moment of their entire show that had a lot of really great games in it. Christian, I, did you know? I, I mean, I want to, I want to dive into that. I think it was a super impressive stage demo, but what I think was super impressive was the stage demo and the camera they had that let all of us experience that moment except that's not what HoloLens is. When I have that on, you can't come over to my house and see this awesome thing. From a gameplay perspective, what it's really adding to Minecraft in that demo, I could do on uh, an iPad, or Microsoft would want me to say a Surface, where it's just a, you know, it's a pinch and zoom Google Earth view of the map. But now he has it splayed over his his kitchen table, which you have to have a 10 foot by 10 foot. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think the, the presentation was mind-blowing and awesome and cool. We got to experience that with him. From a gameplay pr- perspective to what it adds to gaming and, and new and cool and stuff, it's, it hasn't brought anything new to the table that I can't already do. And, and it left it, it's under, oh, underwhelming uh, from that mm-hmm. perspective for me. I just didn't, I didn't see it. Apparently, there's a Halo 5 demo that uses HoloLens in maybe an interesting way that I have not had a chance to see yet. Yeah, and I'm I doing love, that tomorrow morning. I love the idea of, of, of Holo, Holo, Halo. Ugh. HoloLens being used for games like Halo, but that <laughs> Minecraft demo was just kind of meh. Really? Man, I disagree 100%. I thought that was magic. It, it felt like magic. The presentation magic. was magic, yes. Yes, yes, yes. The actual yeah, the implementation of gameplay, it's an iPad. Well, no, when you can lean your face in and then see the interior. Pinch I just to zoom and see the interior. Go ahead. Uh, okay, but I think that's different. I mean, I, for me, pinching to zoom and seeing the interior or having it assemble itself in front of me and I can walk around it and it feels like... See, Minecraft delivers this fantasy of what Lego could be. It's Lego if you had infinite Lego, right? If you had infinite Lego bricks in your house all the time, you could create what Minecraft offers. And then the second part of that fantasy is, well, then what if that stuff could come to life? What if the little piggies could actually behave like little piggies that I built out of Lego? That's what Minecraft is. And to have, to be able to assemble that on my table and walk around it in three dimensions without the tactile feeling though. I mean, I, I, I tweeted like the HoloLens looked amazing when they showed it, but then again, and it has tons of potential, but then again, so did connect when they showed it and had tons of potential. I just don't know how fun it will be to, aside from leaning forward and how well it tracks you in this space, you're still kind of pinching to zoom and doing these weird hand gestures. You're not picking up the Lego and clicking them and doing things. Don't get me wrong. I want it. I want it to be made. I'm glad Microsoft is spending millions of dollars to make this thing, but I, I don't think it's going to be a hit. 
Well, you have to imagine also, this is a difficult thing for them to try to demo. So they have to put it in terms that we can understand. So they're going to use a brand like Minecraft and they can't get too complicated um, because they don't really have anything to sell yet. You can't go out and buy a HoloLens. That game's not available on that platform. They're just showing the potential of what exists based on something that we have a reference point for. So in that sense, I understand where they're coming from when it comes to trying to show off HoloLens. Uh, um, you know, I I love Minecraft. I've played Minecraft for years now, but I, I mean, it would be nice to see what else you can do with it rather than have Minecraft. But at the same time, we're sort of complaining about not something that isn't nowhere near complete. We're complaining about like just a, you know, pr- the prospect of something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that they have, I'm, I would hope that they have grander visions for what it's going to be because they're certainly not going to sell me on just that. Am I going to buy a $400 advice just to, you know, basically pinch and zoom like you're saying? No, but there's potential there. And at least it shows this idea that Microsoft kind of brings up all the time and some, and they always lose their way. So, and it's like, it feels like it's, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. Like this time it's different, but <laughs> oh, with Microsoft no. <laughs> and so, with Microsoft and PC games, it's a little bit like Sonic the Hedgehog and Sega. Oh. It's like this time they say they're going to do it right. <laughs> so let's see if they're going to do it right. Um, but at least gaming is in the conversation when you know that gaming, the gaming team and HoloLens, you know, they're two vastly different pools of money at Microsoft, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And well- they're also the only one in that conversation. No one else yes. is doing AR like they are. So they kind of have to make it up <laughs> as they go. AR like they are. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like they're going to be supporting Oculus and they're going to be supporting Vive. So it's it, Microsoft's uh, Xbox one is really where all that stuff's going to, going to be welcome. It sounds like, um, let's st- step through all of the games as they announce them. Uh, and we'll just kind of try to hit as many of them as we p- possibly can. So yeah, the show started with the halo five guardians. So uh, good. Yeah. It, it was a great way to kick off the show. I thought um, it's a game that's coming out this year. It's a game that looks really great. Christian, what were you, what was your opinion? Uh, I think it looked amazing. Warzone um, is incredible. And I think it's, the, it's the, it looked incredible. I should say, I think it's the next awesome step in, in, in an evolution of horde mode and firefight and this type of thing where it is it, just go crazy everybody you you have a team but there's just uh i mean to put it, it it's taking a heroes of the storm or moba approach with grunts or minions and throwing that into a first person shooters type approach where it hard it becomes harder to feel safe and i know titanfall did this you know with uh their grunts that you had in in your um, player versus player approach too but i think something at the scope and size of halo assuming that 343 can continue to nail the ai that halo is known for so well in its single player campaign i think something like warzone could be the thing that gives halo legs instead of trying to compete with call of duty with its perk and level up and stuff like that and i said this before i think 343 did a great job with halo 4 in terms of making master chief relevant again and it looks like Halo 5 is going to have a really focused, interesting narrative. Um, and, and kudos to them for pulling that off because that was not an easy task when Bungie was like, peace, we did it. <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. walked away. I mean, did you did you get hyped for Halo 5? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, mostly interested in the... Uh in the campaign mode that's where i that's what i love about halo and i love the fact that they're giving they're blowing out those teams and making that four-player co-op persistent and relevant and sort of 
in context of a narrative. So it's not like, Hey, Master Chief. Hey, other Master Chief. Uh, you, you know, it's, there's actually four characters to play as. And, and I think that's really cool. It's really exciting. Uh, I'm, as I said, I'm getting hands on with it tomorrow morning. So I'll have more to talk about in our next episode of DLC, but I thought it looked, I thought it looked fantastic. What about you, Zeph? I remember playing it when they did the multiplayer reveal uh, a couple months ago, or I guess it was maybe like six or seven months ago. And I thought it it felt great. And the beta, I had fun playing the beta. The Warzone, obviously, I'm at E3 this year, but I'm not here as press this year. So it's been weird uh, kind of talking to people about the things that they're showing and not having an appointment to go play it. Uh, the sense that I got from it, and and maybe I'm totally wrong, is I thought it was going to be like two teams against each other and the pool of AI is trying to kill both teams. But the way that you guys are talking about it, it sounds like the AI pool is actually split as part of I, each I don't team. think it is. I think you're correct okay. the first time. I, I don't okay. think the AI is split. I think it's kind of, it, it could mess you up at any point, but I think the, from the video, at least it looked like it was kind of, and what I'm hoping for is that halo AI, where if blue team is attacking and doing an, uh, you know, being the aggressor, the, grunts or the enemies the ai enemies would go to them because they're the one drawing fire and you could kind of you know chris pratt motorcycle among the velociraptors <laughs> um and then when you start firing they'll turn again that's just from watching the video but man i hope that's the case yeah and then the next thing that they talked about was uh, a new game we hadn't heard about a new ip i love the fact that we're getting new ip actually overall this e3 Far more surprises, far more new IP, far more unannounced things than I ever thought we would get, which is, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a double edged sword for me because the announcement of ReCore is exactly what I am annoyed with, with game announcements these days, which is it looks awesome, but I, I have no idea what it is, <laughs> you know, because we get this fully CG trailer that looks really cool. It's from the creators of Metroid and Mega Man. I'm excited about that. The, the design of this robot and this, uh, this female protagonist and she's got this sort of, uh, this robot pet that she's hangs out with and does, and it does things. But I have no idea if this game is a shooter, if this game's a puzzle game. I mean, she did some shooting in the, in the trailer, but uh, you know, these, these kinds of announcements where it's a fully CG trailer that doesn't actually show from the perspective of what you're doing in the game is, is a little frustrating because I want to be more excited about this. I just don't know what kind of game it is. Yeah, there is, there is no information to be gleaned from that, uh, that trailer other than the art style looks fun. Uh, it, it looks like a good mix of, you know, the uh, big world scale from Metroid prime where that's where the Metroid team from retro is kind of coming from. Um, and, you know, Inafune obviously knows really tight core gameplay mechanics. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of character and, you know, I like, it f- I felt like sidekick dog like creatures were this, th- it were in this year. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was certainly a, a thing that came in here. And it seemed like at least the, the key art for it implies that you're going to be building sort of a, an ally army mm-hmm. uh, and maybe going to scavenge for those, those uh, pieces and those creatures that you're going to find in the world, these robot creatures. So like there, there's some, there's very little and for actual information and just a lot of speculation, but the art style itself looks really neat. And we got another kick-ass uh, female protagonist, which I thought was a really great thing this year. Yeah. Big trend. I think that they yeah. finally got the, finally got the memo for diversity. I mean, we've got diversity as far as like white female, 
So we're we're at white female, which is which is actually a little progress. You know, it'd be great if we could we could move uh, into a lot more diversity. But you know, baby steps, and and I it took too long, but it's it's happening, and I think that's that's pretty great. I don't um, want to. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. I don't want to bleed the conferences too much, but I think to your point, Jeff, about how you announce a game and show a game. Um, Recore was an awesome cinematic trailer and it definitely set a tone for a game that I'm super excited about, right? Pedigree from awesome developers, uh, a world that is oozing with style. I love games that have, you know, what a TV would call a show Bible behind it already, where I'm coming in on what feels like episode 40, where this world has been living and breathing. And I was, I thought they, they did a really good job with that. Until Gorilla showed Horizon, yeah. which I think is somewhat similar in terms of atmosphere. Again, gameplays could be totally different. And they presented this atmosphere in this world with this what seemed to be cinematic thing. And then, bam, gameplay. And she takes down that dino robot, uh, robo dino. I have it backwards. And I was like, holy crap, this in retrospect is what I wanted Record to be. Like if when she plugs that thing into the robot in the Record trailer, if then it came alive and you saw some just you know, 20 seconds of gameplay would have been much more satisfying. But to sit here and not still be excited for ReCore just because Horizon had a better debut, I don't think that's fair either. That's why it was it was hard for me to get excited about some of the stuff Microsoft showed because they did this same, the exact same thing last year where they showed a lot of cinematic trailers. And then you'd hear information about like the game was canceled or the game they said, well, we're going to show it later. You know, it, it's hard for me to get excited for things that you're showing now at this E3 when you there was things I was excited about last E3 that you're not showing or have outright been canceled. Or, you know, they say Phantom Dust may not be canceled. I don't know if they've confirmed 100% it is canceled. I know that team doesn't exist anymore, but well, it's it's it was difficult. But no, at Zab, least the not, pedigree, like you said. We're not talking about Ubisoft yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> we're we're going to have fun there. But um, the pedigree at least involved... Uh, I, I was excited about what ReCore could be. I think, you know, to your point, Zav, I think that, um, you know, Microsoft certainly was putting a lot of emphasis, I think more than Sony for sure, on stuff that was coming out this year, uh, ReCore being the exception there, but, uh, and, you know, other exceptions as well. But the next game they brought out, Fallout 4, it, surprise, surprise, it is coming out this year. We got that at the Bethesda conference uh, beforehand. A strange thing, I think, because for the first year ever, uh, a third-party conference preceded the big platform conferences. Usually, you get the the you know the big third-party games making an appearance at one of the platform holders convention or conference, and then later on during the third party's actual their own conference, you get to sort of deep dive into it. And this mm-hmm. time it was flip-flopped, right? We got the deep dive into Fallout 4 before we got the the sort of short version. Um, so it kind of felt a little redundant to have Fallout 4, but it really wasn't out of character for how those things work. It just, for the first time, Bethesda, you know, kind of beat them to the punch there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do you guys think about Fallout 4 coming out this year? What do you think about how it looks and all the all the craziness involved in in uh, what you can do in that world. It's, it's a massive playground this time. I, I mean, yeah. at the very least, the, I think me and you tweeted, uh, similar things, which was like, this is a weird truncated version of what he talked about yesterday. Right. Um, but the, at the very least, there was new footage. So we got to see more of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also there was the new announcement that Microsoft is working with them, 
uh, to put PC mods on the Xbox One, which I thought was a huge announcement. Yeah. Well, it's mods first, though. They're coming to PC, I mean, coming to PS4 later. So it's not exclusive mods, it's first mods, which is still big, oh, I, but not is as so? big. Yeah, I didn't hear that language. That. They oh, did okay. an interview, um, Howard, yeah, did an interview later saying they plan to come to PS4 too. Well, I mean, that's great. Regardless of platform now, then that is something that you're going to get. Also, the Xbox One version comes with Fallout 3, which will be backwards compatible, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was a neat little pack-in, I guess. But uh, so it was a little weird, but I mean, I love Fallout. I'm super excited about that game. So it was nice to just see more of it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I I was happy that we got to see at least some new f- some new footage. Yeah, I, I think that game looks awesome. I can't wait to play it. I can't believe it's coming out the same day as uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. That's just, uh, <laughs> it's just going to be Sophie's choice. Um, no, it's not. You know what you're doing. I'm buying both. It, yeah. Did Sophie, it, was Sophie borrow, able to do that? I wasn't can sure I if borrow, Sophie... Can I borrow Tomb Raider? No, Sophie pre-ordered her decisions. Ah, smart Sophie. Smart. Um, and then we got uh, Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare 2. Well, so, real quick, oh, sorry, oh, sorry on, on Fallout 4. Looked amazing, looked incredible. Um, likely will be a lot of outlets, game of show. Rumor, um, just take it for what it's worth, but part of maybe the reason why it was on the Xbox stage is that um, co-development or whatever, that sponsorship money, and they really fought hard to have it be on their stage last year, and it didn't happen. Hmm. Interesting. Is, is Birdie's saying. So I think it was, I think they knew that it was kind of underwhelming, but at the same time, they had this cool thing, so they're going to still put it out there, if that makes sense. Uh, so, uh, Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare 2. I don't think we need to talk too much about that. It's, it's more of that game. Uh, a lot of people like that game. Looks cool. Um, I don't know if you guys want to comment on that. But, uh, that, that was followed by Forza Motorsport 6. I kind of mumbled that, but Forza 6, which, uh, looks real pretty. A car lowered from the ceiling for like four minutes and, or four seconds, more like. What a waste of money. To so put the car in the ceiling, to put so it down for money. no time at all. I saw an interview later with uh, Phil Spencer where he said um, someone was asking, like, oh, that was pretty cool. He's like, yeah, it was cool for you. I was the one who had to open the show standing underneath that thing. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was pretty funny. Like, Crazy. try to remember what you have to say when a giant car is hovering above your head. <laughs> I mean, I think Forza looks even even prettier if that's even possible. Uh, it's just staggering the amount of detail they're getting in those cars now. And, and I think it's going to please a lot of people. I haven't had a hands-on with it yet, but um, man, it looks great. Uh, Dark Wet. Souls 3. Dark Water Souls wetness is the new thing for Forza. People want to dive a little deeper into that. They're at, they're introducing uh, wet and puddles and how that affects traction. Forza has always been known for its tire modeling. So it should be really interesting to see how they implement like, you know, real-time physics and driving on a wet track, which is some of the most rewarding driving I think you can do. Um, but it will really change a line. So that's something and it's very nerdy in car. And if Garnet was here, we could geek about it, but it, mm-hmm. it really adds a whole, whole new depth if they do it right to the tracks where it's kind of like, it's almost like mirror mode for a track. If that makes sense, you think, you know it, and then it becomes wet and you do not know that track at all. It's fun. Sounds cool. Uh, we got dark souls three, just a sort of hype teaser, not even hype. I thought that would mean that we'd get actual gameplay at the uh, at the Sony conference, but it did not mean that. It did not mean that. But yeah, hype indeed. Uh, and then we got some uh, some Tom Clancy, 
Although the way the guy said it on stage, it sounded like he said Tom Fancy, <laughs> which I wish it was. I wish it was Tom Fancy. <laughs> they own his uh, name. Fly. They could do whatever they want now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, I think the most notable thing there, we, we got the division. We got, um, Rainbow Six. Uh, again, they're leveraging this backward compatibility to say, Hey, you're getting the other Rainbow Six games, Rainbow Six Vegas and Vegas two for free when you play, uh, Siege on xbox one i think it's a smart move to leverage that uh the way they are with with xbox one it adds value and and people like getting free stuff and it it really doesn't you know doesn't hurt the publisher any how many people buy their game on ps4 because they get the vita version yeah cross cross buy or something for like smaller indie games too obviously it's not the same kind of deal but it's nice like you get fallout 4 hey why don't you play fallout 3 if you have an extra 700 hours of your life to play both of these games, <laughs> have fun. Uh, then we got Gigantic, which looks like a really interesting, different kind of game. It's in that sort of uh, shooter MOBA space that's becoming more and more popular, sort of where Smite lives and, and Super other Super Monday Night Combat and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful art direction. Yeah. Are you guys excited about this game? Uh, any game that comes in with the unique, you know, artistic vision and I know this is kind of cell shaded, Wind Waker-ish or whatever, but I will take this and I think we'll get to Cuphead in a minute. But those types of games always excite me off the bat more than something like um, Rainbow Six Siege, which looked great too, right? I mean, I think they had a better showing of that game this year than they did where it was called the Kill Women Simulator. <laughs> um, but yeah, for a debut of a game and it comes out and it just kind of seamlessly goes from what you maybe would think is a CG presentation into actual gameplay... It's what Nintendo does so well, right? With bright visual graphics that I think Gigantic could look amazing 20 years from now, whereas Rainbow Six Siege will look like uh, Resident Evil 1, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. got that Team Fortress 2 thing going for it, where Team Fortress 2 can never look old because it's just going to look like a Pixar movie. Yeah. And that's why people love it so much. And it's a good game, but, you know. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I think it looks really cool. Uh, they showed um, the, this crazy fast montage of independent games, the idea Xbox stuff. And like you mentioned, Cuphead is in there, which just I played that today, by the way, Cuphead. Uh, first of all, it's super hard. It's punishing. very, very hard. Uh, mm. But it is just you, how can you resist that? It's just, it's amazing that video games can look like that. Um, yeah. Well, and the art style lends to the difficulty because those 1930s cartoons were all about waves and and like a jiggle or whatever but when you're in a somewhat of a bullet hell platformer-esque thing and you have to learn what is somewhat of a randomized wave to the enemy's uh animations it's a really really smart um animation style to put in that type of game i i'm continue to be blown away by that game yeah uh other games there also look amazing beyond eyes i think is a big standout for me um that watercolor look for beyond eyes and it it just really looks evocative and different there's so many games this year uh, at the show that are doing something different yeah there's a lot of you know military shooters and zombie games and alien destroying and and you know doom and all these all these things that are sort of retreading old old things that i like that i still like but there's so much exciting new interesting things ashen tacoma beyond eyes all of those games that were shown in this segment uh just really have me excited for the level of creativity and art direction that's on display in 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 some of these independent titles um 
Then they showed Ion, which we don't know anything about. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Holy smokes, was that trailer awesome. I cannot believe... I'm so excited we're getting this game this year. Uh, this might be the game I'm most excited to take home with me if I could take home one game. Uh, what did you Fallout? guys think? The- Fallout? Well, Fallout. Did you say yeah, Fallout, Fallout or Tomb Raider? Well, they're coming on the same day, <laughs> damn it. Um, this is, I yeah. Think, I hope this isn't so like an good. Alan Wake situation, though, for them. Um, it is. It's it strange is. that it's strange that they're doing that. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm super pumped for it. The thing that got me happened today which is at the Square Enix conference, they said, like, we brought raid to like raiding back to Tomb Raider. Like, that's there was like six tombs to raid in the last Tomb Raider game. So, we need more tombs to raid. And that's yeah. what an emphasis is going to be here. It's sort of like her, she's figured out what she wants to do with her life, and it's raiding tombs. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and now we get to do it. So, that's why I'm excited about it because. You know, the first game I loved, like the, the, the reboot franchise, I absolutely oh, adored it. So and those good. tombs were fun, but there just weren't any of it was like a handful. And I want a game filled with that. I'm More so tombs. pumped. More tombs. More tombs and Tomb Raider. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Christian? I mean, this, I think, could be my game of the year, depending on how Batman plays out based on. I mean, Halo, God, there's, there's going to be some good late hitters, but this game is my style of game people listen to this show know that um i love uncharted i like the first tomb raider and what they showed for this new tomb raider looks absolutely incredible much much hype but i do feel bad man because they didn't you know people say that uh bad man um people thought that uh the first that this game needed to partner with microsoft because the first game didn't leave up live up to expectations and then when fallout 4 came out and dropped that date on them it was just like sorry um you're not going to sell that well anymore it, it, it really is unfortunate people if you if it ends up becoming a good game, uh, go buy it. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if I was Square Enix, I'd move it. Move yeah, it the week before. Like, do that's, that's yourself still so a favor. Close, though. That's still so close. I mean, it is. It's holiday, right? So they're they're just expecting people to buy for Christmas presents. Um, that's what why things come out in the holiday is that it all just gets you know piled on top of one another underneath your tree theoretically well Square Enix is also making bad decisions because they're bringing out like just cause three and hitman um on december yeah. 1st basically yeah. i think they're competing with themselves on basically the same week so they probably won't move it but square move it it's a bad idea <laughs> i'm just glad i'm just glad uncharted 4 and and rise of the tomb raider aren't coming out in the same period I, i'm glad Uncharted got delayed for that reason. I, I, I'm glad those will be spaced out because I think both of them are going to be excellent experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, big surprise in the next uh, section of the of the conference uh, with Rare. Uh, the new Rare game was debuted. It's called Sea of Thieves. I just was completely charmed by this. Uh, there really hasn't been an amazing pirate game, unless you count an Assassin's Creed pirate game, um, in a long, long time. And... Sea of Thieves just looks so cool. I, I, I'm. What is it though? I, I, it's I a pirate it. game where you're being a pirate, <laughs> right. but you're being a pirate with your friends. You're being like so. Is one pirates. guy is one guy manning the the sail, and like that's what you're doing. And the other guy's doing the cannon. Like I couldn't tell if one pull guy was rope, actually bro. steering. Yeah, is that, pull the rope. Is that your job? Keep I pulling the tell. rope. I couldn't tell, but the, I like cutting the rope. I don't know if I like pulling the rope. I just <laughs> it's charming as all get out, but I wasn't sure what the game was, and also. No one could hit any. Those are two big boats and cannonballs just not not connecting. <laughs> I wanted to see what happened when a ship got hit and we never saw it. 
Yeah. I, it, it looks like um, a, a combination of the, obviously the Assassin's Creed boat stuff, but uh, the, the ship combat and sort of like the survival um, concept of Stranded Deep. It seems like it's a persistent world survival game, but it happens to be a pirate theme and you can build a ship or get a ship and then compete with other people. Um, it, that's It's sort of in the vein of like a Rust uh, or Ark um, survival. Yeah. So it, that's what it looks like. I hope so, that's what it is. I think it'd be awesome. I think that's that's a really good theme. I mean, like, if, if hey, if Ubisoft's not going to make a pirate-themed, uh, just like a ship combat game specifically, that's not Assassin's Creed, someone's got to do it. And it looks pretty rad. Yeah. I'm glad that it has, like, a neat name. I was really afraid that they were going to do some rare nonsense and name it, like, you know, Booty Call or some nonsense like that. <laughs> <laughs> sea of Thieves is cool by me. So yeah. that's the only thing. And also the rare uh, collection was a cool thing, too. Yeah, 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 I think so. I mean, I, I, it's not really something I'm going to get, but uh, yeah, hey, cool. That many games, uh, mm-hmm. awesome. Um, Fable Legends looks, I think, is looking better and better and better. It's going to be free. It's going to be cross-platform. Uh, I played that game last year and I liked it. I think it's come a long way. It's going to have a, a big story element now that that they weren't talking about so much previously. I, I think that game is going to be great. I'm really excited for Fable Legends. I think the thing that the the hardest thing it has going for it is the fable name, and at some point I think it's hurting it more than it's helping it because people see it and they think that's not fable. Even with the story element, what I've seen of the game, I think it looks really great. What they've said about the free to play model, I cannot support more. Um, and, and I think I love again, I love the art direction they've chosen for the game. I think something like Evolve could have been a smarter free to play game. Um, Titanfall practically is free now <laughs> within the EA vault. Um, but I, I do, I think people are going to, what's going to hurt this game is the fable name and free to play stigma on console still. I hope I'm wrong, but I think, I think that's what's going to hold it back. But mm. I mean, if people are interested, all they have to do is download it and play it for free. So yeah. it, that, I think that's what's going to help. So there might be a stigma because free to play games aren't great, but like, League of Legends is a free-to-play game, and it doesn't seem to hurt that game. Like, you know, it's not a comparison, but I think the stigma of a free-to-play game is changing quite a bit. And if you want to change, so if you want to make substantial changes to one of the franchises that your console is known for, and make it like a MOBA-style, uh, you know, attack-defense type of game, like this seems to be in terms of its combat, the only way you can do that and have people legitimately actually be interested and try it is just give it to them for free and see if they connect to it. And then just try to sell them on other stuff. Yeah. No, I yeah. agree. I, I think that's a, s- a smart thing to do. And I think, I think it looks good. L guy in the chat just said the fact that Fable Legends is free to play means I won't play it at all. And I, unfortunately, Some I think people a lot of, think that. I think a lot it's of people sad. do think that it's, uh, it's interesting. It's this weird stigma, but we don't have that problem with, you know, Dota or Hots or some games. It's this weird world that we haven't quite figured out how to, how to make sense of. Um, wrapping up Microsoft was Gears of War 4. Gears of 4. Gears of uh, War Snore is more like it. Boy, I didn't have that reaction. I think a lot of people felt like it was a, a bit of a letdown after a strong showing. I thought what they showed looked amazing. Really? Okay, um, go explain. Just graphically, mostly. Uh, and it, it's more Gears of War, and it looked... It looked incredibly immersive in that world. Uh, yeah, it's it's more Gears of War. But uh, I think the game is, you know, still a ways out. We're probably going to see it at next year's E3 as their centerpiece like Halo 5 was this year. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see more gearing up. But the fact that it, it that environment just seemed 
so so pretty that's what a gears of war game is 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 a very pretty shooter uh and i'm ready for gears of war i think gears of war is a great example of a series that took some time off and made me crave it again you know it 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 went away so that I could miss it, which I think mm-hmm. is, is, is great. I, I do miss it. It's interesting. Yeah. I, agree. I mean, uh, Go ahead, I could not, Oh, sorry. I, I could not from where I was. I, it was really hard for me to tell what was going on. It was really dark, uh, where I was, uh, at the time watching it. So I, it was hard for me to tell how it looked, um, in comparison. Like I, you know, at least I could see the gears of war, uh, ultimate edition, the first one and, and see like, okay, well there's graphical enhancements, I like the where it's going. It at least looks like they're going for more of a horror theme. I don't know where in the timeline it takes place. So if this is post everything, I don't know how that's going to work. So maybe it's going to be a very like dark, grim situation. And maybe it's going to be more survival oriented than action. But that's not what Gears of War is. So I don't know exactly. Um, it looked pretty action-y. Yeah, I mean, it gets there eventually. That's that's yeah. for sure. And there's a uh, lot in Gears of War. There's a lot of walking around. Not knowing if something's going to jump out at you. I mean, it, it, even in those first three games, but there's that, a fair amount yeah. of that. That's not what Gears is, though. So I agree with everything you said on the back half, Jeff, that it, you know, it went away long enough and I'm ready for Gears again. The first three Gears games were some of my favorite the years they came out. But Gears, to me, isn't defined by moments like when you're fighting the Krill in the dark and you need to get in the light. And, you know, there's that level, kind of like Ravenhold is a level in Half-Life 2, but that's not what defines Half-Life 2. What defines Gears to me is fluid cover to cover, you know, flanking uh, a a hole popping up behind you. Just when you think you found this awesome place in this level, okay, I can hold, this is my, this is my choke point. I'm going to hold this. All of a sudden the level shifts on you and a huge worm comes out of the ground. Then you're rolling and you're moving. It's what uh, Wolfenstein, the old blood does really well too, where you feel you're safe in a corner and then the environment shifts on you and that kill box totally changes. And I get that the game is early, but what they showed Yeah, to me, it's not Gears, and I'm fine with franchises going different directions. I think sometimes it's necessary to keep them fresh and exciting, but watching a press Y to see, which happens in Gears, like, I I didn't want to see that. I want to see pop and shoot and roll and dive and move and all of that awesome stuff, and I feel like um, what they showed of Gears 4 just didn't impress, especially the downside is that the first Gears games looked great, and the remaster looks incredible, so they show the remaster, and then they show 4, and I think four didn't pop as much because of how good the remaster looks. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you may be right about that. Um, so overall, I thought Microsoft had a very, very strong showing. I came in of there really jazzed about playing some really cool games. How did you guys feel? Do you think that they uh, they hit a solid, solid base hit, double, triple, home run? What do you think? <laughs> uh, I mean, I you know, I I'm not going to put it into baseball parlance, but uh, I thought, all right, all right, hockey, Zav. <laughs> give us a hockey. Room. It was Did the they, hat uh... trick all the way, guys. No, I mean, I, I thought it was a great show. I mean, they showed some stuff that was Xbox exclusive, which you need to do to show. Uh, they showed some stuff that's going to be um, coming to multiple platforms. I feel like they emphasize what's going to be available, you know, for Windows 10 and for Xbox One this holiday season uh, without delving too much into the future. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, it's like, a lot of what we saw that I'm excited about, you're saying you're excited about Halo, you're excited about Gears. Everything else that we're kind of excited about is stuff that we have no idea what, what where it's going. So it's going to be something that I, I look at Gamescom now as a much more important show in this industry because we, we've had our E3. 
And now it's time to put up or shut up when it comes mm. to some of the stuff. And Gamescom is going to be a huge show for Microsoft because they're going to have to go beyond what they did today or yesterday. Um, you know, their conference was really solid, but now it's time to actually give us those games rather than just talk about them because they've talked a lot in the past. Hmm. What about you, Christian? I promise to not be this positive about everything as the year continues. People say I'm too pessimistic and too snarky. Um, this show proves otherwise. Uh, man, it was a great press conference, right? I think if you're mm-hmm. waiting to dive in on this current gen and you have the disposable income to do so, unless you swear by the Sony exclusives, Uncharted, God of War, uh, you know, eventual Last of Us, those types of games, the Xbox One made a really compelling argument to be your system of choice for this year with Halo 5, Forza 6. They're going to have all the sports games. They have Fallout. Call of Duty is going to be there. They lost the DLC early exclusivity. But it's delivering a lot of great content in this calendar year at a price point that's pretty dang attractive this early into a generation. And they're going to continue to have support. It's not as if Microsoft is going to fold up and go away. And I think it's easy to pretend to be jaded by these AAA games um, because we've seen them before. But Tomb Raider looked incredible. Halo looked incredible. Forza is going to be another awesome racing game as long as they don't screw up the DLC charge for everything structure, which I think I think Turn 10 learned. I, I have faith that they did. Um, and then the fact that they showed some really great ID at Xbox games, change that name, Microsoft. I think you're going to be in a really good place if you're waiting to dive in and, and you decide to go Xbox One. Like, how could you be upset with what they showed? It was really good. Solid show. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on and hit Sony, hit Nintendo, hit the third parties. Uh, it's going to be, this is so much fun, guys. I'm so glad you guys are hanging out and doing this uh, with me. I, uh, I just love E3 and I love this year in particular, but we do need to thank our sponsor before we do that. Lynda.com. Lynda, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash DLC is your place to go to learn things. Curious people, people who are interested in the world and take Learning things as a daily activity are my favorite people. That's the people I associate with. They're the people that listen to shows like this. And that's why Linda comes to us to get their message out because Linda is the perfect place to go to learn things. They have over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, your technology, your creative skills. If you just want to learn something new, if you want to start a new endeavor, or if you just want to figure out how to use some of that software that you own, lynda.com slash DLC is the place to be. They've got HTML5 game development courses. They've got character modeling. They've got 3DS Studio Max, uh, 3D, 3DS Max, 3DS, S, the S stands for studio guys. I don't need to say it. Anyway, they have Maya. They got all kinds of stuff. photography classes, anything you need to learn, any piece of software you need to learn, even sort of interpersonal skills, all kinds of great classes. Like I said, 3,000 on-demand classes with expert teachers who know what they're talking about, know how to convey what they need. And all of these classes are searchable. So you just go to what you need to know at the moment you need to know it. They've got uh, manuscripts. They've got uh, transcripts of all of the courses so you can just go right to a keyword and then it'll sync right up to that point in the video so you can watch it. Man, it's useful. Man, it's interesting. And guess what, guys? We're going to give you a 10-day free trial so you can check out cool courses yourself with no obligation. 10 days of full reign on the site. Anything you want to learn, anything you want to look up, anything you want to check out, we'll do it. You can do it by going to uh, lynda.com slash dlc you can sign up for your free trial. Then they know that you heard about it on our show, and that helps us out as well. So lynda.com slash DLC. Give it a shot. 
learn, maybe get into video game programming or learn something new. It's really, really cool. I use it myself. Uh, all right, dudes. So, Sony. Uh, let's go right to Sony. Sony, I think they decided, uh, well, they knew who they were talking to. They decided <laughs> to preach to the choir. They knew yeah. their audience at E3. Uh, it's interesting. E3 used to be the place where big software companies and platform manufacturers came to speak to people who were potentially going to put their games in their stores. No more. No more. E3 is a different beast these days, folks. E3 is a television show that is uh, beamed out to the world to uh, be a big, gigantic ad for cool things. And what they like to do is manufacture uh, the hype train, which we love so much. And I think Sony, in the last couple of years, has realized that if you give the dog some red meat, the dog will howl for you. Um and, uh, and that's not to say that we need to be cynical about it. I, I think these exciting, these announcements were exciting, but they certainly play to a very narrow, narrow audience. Um, the first thing that they showed is the thing that we all, uh, we all, I think got to the point where it, the boy had cried wolf and we all had started to doubt whether it was going to happen or not. The last guardian was announced as being a real thing that's actually coming in 2016, uh, after what? Seven years of, of, of radio silence. The Last Guardian. So, Zav, is it too little too late? Is The Last Guardian still exciting? Tell me what your feelings were about seeing The Last Guardian. So, they sort of talked about it without mentioning the name on the stage. And I was like, oh, it's The Last Guardian. I'm tired of this. And then they started <laughs> playing it. And I just every single like, uh, you know, Ico and and Shadow of the Colossus, like it hit me in every feel that I have. All my feels were targeted and and missile locked. And I was like, yeah, this this is going to this is going to do it for me. I think I, I, I think it looks wonderful. It's just it has it looks so charming and it looks like it's going to be just like harrowing. And I, that thing is going to die. I'm going to cry for a month like straight when that, that Griffin that thing moment- that moment where it's like it's just hanging there and it's like scraping and holding on and the little guy like goes around and starts rolling the log so he can carry himself up but he's just sitting there like like scraping and and trying not to fall i was like i can't even i can't even handle this right now (laughs) you're opening with this you monsters (laughs) yeah i don't it just it looks it looks really neat the art style looks great i mean they it needs to be stylized it doesn't hold up um, it doesn't look like the, it's, it still looks kind of like it looks rough around the edges, yeah. which is sort of the, you know, the style that, that's, uh, that sort of comes from those games. But I mean, I, I'm, it's a, you know, but I mean, at the same time, they're like, yeah, it still exists 2016. You know what I mean? There yeah. weren't specific. It's still not really close to being I, done. <laughs> I tweeted like the last guardian coming to PS4 in 2016 subject to change like right. that is i mean that's kind of where we are at that point but it's next you know E3, at least they be know. no mention of it at all <laughs> it'll yeah. be in there it'll be on the shelf next to phantom dust one day i'm sure yeah um i just I, man it, it does look wonderful a new way to game it, you know i sign me up a sight unseen this particular game looks amazing I just wish they had shown something that lo- that gave any indication what they've been doing for the last seven years. Cause <laughs> I think it's the same exact setting that they showed last time. Yeah. I think like there's literally nothing different other than 
a date at the end <laughs> from seven years ago. So what they've been doing this whole time? That's my question. <laughs> Christian, what was your take? So, I mean, go back and listen to last week's episode and then see if you still laugh at me when I uh, mentioned this game was going to be there. Um, this game has had a troubled production and it has the problem that many a sequel has. I know it's not a true sequel of great pressure, creating great expectations, creating people buckling under those expectations as to what this game could be and taking it back to the drawing board. Um, I've heard rumors that even the cat, bird, dog, dragon thing uh, they wanted to scrap that because it was too big and it created this weird world or as a companion creating level design that's fun and interesting for both of those characters doesn't work because you have this huge creature in this little boy girl thing running around and how do you have interesting level design but once they showed it if they're going to show this game it needed to have that creature because that's what was so identifiable that said I think if they're able to pull it off like they did in the trailer of using these two vastly different sized and shaped characters in fun and interesting ways and letting them get apart from each other or maybe you run into a tomb and your cat dog bird thing is doing something else and then they come together for these beautiful magical moments and of course that cat bird dragon thing dies at the end and you get real sad um this is going to be an incredible game obviously it needed a 2016 date because holy crap they're figuring it out Two, I think it was the only game at Sony's press conference that was only shown on the relatively to other small screens, right? All the others were blown up huge. This was just on that one screen because there were some low-res textures going on. But at the same time, like you said, Jeff, talking about press conferences in terms of just like E3 hype train, choo-choo, getting my daughter revved up with her choo-chooing, this this is how you do it, right? Like the, the uh, SH uh, cuss word eating grin when they kick things off and talking coyly about this game that no one thought was going to happen and then showing it and playable. And it's just like, are you kidding me? It was incredible. The only thing that could be better way to start a press conference is with puppet versions of your, um, I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, well, the thing I tweeted right after they, they (laughs) showed that was anything is possible. Shenmue three, uh, Half-Life 3, anything is possible. <laughs> little did I know. Little did I know, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but it did seem like, oh my God, the, the thing we all wanted, maybe it's actually going to happen. Um, Christian, you've already referenced the next game that they showed. And, and for my money, might be the game I'm most amped about having that I didn't know existed. This is called Horizon Zero Hour, and it's the new Zero game. Zero Dawn. For, excuse me, Zero Dawn. Zero yeah. Dawn. Zero Dawn. Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero. Horizon Zero Dawn. And Dawn. Zero is just there because they like the way the number looked for the logo. Yes. Um, it's the new game from Guerrilla Games. These are the guys that gave us uh, Kill Zone uh, back in the day, uh, and it's it seems like. Sony said to them, Hey guys, uh, instead of forcing you to make uh, a halo killer, let's, you guys can just make what you want. And boy, that I think opened up a whole thing. The, the, the fiction around this universe is so compelling to me right away before we even get to the main character, before we even get to the cool, uh, robo dinos, as you mentioned, Christian, just a fiction of we are this new birth civilization that c- came from the embers of uh, a fallen modern uh, world, modern earth. And it's not, 
you know, it's not Last of Us post-apocalyptic. It's not post-apocalyptic in any sort of conventional sense. It's a lush, vibrant, sort of neo-classical, neo-primitive version of Earth, but just in the ruins of modern Earth. I found that to be so interesting and so compelling in the art style and like waterfalls coming out of of reclaimed modern structures, these skyscrapers that have waterfalls and trees entwined in them. I just thought that setting, I wanted to be in there. I wanted to, I wanted to be in that world. And then we see the gameplay. Uh, Zav, what was your take on Horizon Zero Dawn? I didn't know what to expect from it. And it seemed like a weird mashup of, I was getting a real like Battlefield Earth vibe from the main character, like the <laughs> dreadlocks and like what did they look like, uh, like uh, cave people cavemen and cave women i was like what am i even watching and then i you know the dinosaurs were like are those metal like so and it's funny when she's attacking these creatures i'm like <laughs> i'm trying to think of the fiction in my head it's like okay so they, are they going to eat the robots like what are they are they salvaging them for something specific so but there's a moment in that demo where the giant rhinoceros looking dino is attacking her after she attacks a herd and uh, the main character slides under yeah. the rhino with the bow like trained on it. And I was like, I, I don't know what this is, but I love it already. Like it just looks really fantastic. It's another big, inspiring, like open world, really interesting designs on the characters and on the enemies. I couldn't tell you what was up and what was down with the story, but it looks so original and and colorful which is something that i always love something that's really like bright and beautiful has a really good uh feel when gorilla was mentioned during the conference i said you know listen i know this is going to be beautiful but will i like playing it because i have not liked a gorilla game since Killzone liberation which was like an isometric game on the psp never mm-hmm. liked any of the other kill zones this game though looks rad i'm really i'm really amped about it uh, yeah, I, I this game is at the top of my list right now of of just I want more. I want to see more. I want to know more. When is this coming? Um, yeah, this was a huge reveal uh, from a company that has made excellent games. It, it just seems so different and unique and interesting. I'm man. I am excited for it. Um, Do you know actually what it reminded me of? There was an old Lionhead game that was going to be released on the original Xbox ages ago that was canceled called B.C., that Peter Molyneux yeah. was working on. Yeah. And it reminded me of BC. Yeah. Uh, of like, you are trying to just survive. You and your people are trying to survive. But those were real animals, not robots. But that's the vibe I got from it. And I always want to play it. So I'm excited. If I didn't know that it was Guerrilla Games, if they didn't put the logo up uh, and they had shown the trailer first, I would have thought, oh, my God, a new Ninja Theory game. It looks like uh, Heavenly yeah. Sword or something. You know, it felt like a Ninja Theory game. Um, so very exciting. Uh, there was a new trailer for Hitman which looked very different and and sort of contemporary. And it really kind of showed uh, a milieu that video games don't really travel in. It almost looked like a, an ad for a new HBO series or something. Um, are you a Hitman fan, either of you guys? Yeah, I'm a big Hitman fan. And also, it's interesting, uh, Agent 47 looks a lot younger in this game. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know where in the story it goes. But yeah, I, I mean, they didn't show any gameplay, but... The way that they're talking about the game, it sounds like a persistent world universe situation mm-hmm. that they're sort of rolling out the game over time. So I don't know exactly what the game's going to be, but I, I'm a fan of that franchise. Right, yeah, Christian. I, yeah, I think Hitman's always been one of the 
best franchises that can never quite get the jank out. Um, I feel like um, this isn't the best analogy ever, but it's like Hitman is always better than Assassin's Creed 1, but never quite able to become Assassin's Creed 2, right? Where whatever you think of the Assassin's Creed franchise, it's like one showed so much promise, but was so boring and became pedestrian after a while. And then two realized all of this stuff in an amazing way. And, you know, whether around there is kind of the pinnacle of that franchise, I think most people would feel comfortable arguing. And Hitman is always... Like I said, head and shoulders better than the first Assassin's Creed, in my opinion, and the gameplay they're trying to do and how it's plotted and paced and whatever, except for maybe the last Hitman wasn't that great. But I feel like there's always something that kind of keeps it from being the big mainstream success that a game about this very stylistic guy who's getting contract to kill people, but the person they're, they're killing bad guys. He's kind of like a punisher. It's not as if you're out there killing you know, indiscriminately. It's not uh, hateful or whatever that, that game is, where it's just like, kill. Um, you know, the it hasn't had the mainstream success because of either the punishing difficulty. If you're spotted, you have to reset the whole level or this, that, and the other. Um, so I really, really hope that this franchise can have a break breakthrough moment. And if this game is just called Hitman and it's kind of like Tomb Raider and they kind of, you know, do a new 52 approach to whatever they retcon everything and just here we go. I am a okay with that. I don't have a ton of baggage behind agent 47. I just want to do those really cool stealthy gameplay that evolve with me as I, plan and use strategy to take down even badder guys but that trailer you're was wrong. beautiful you're wrong absolution was a great game <laughs> that game was awesome agree maybe you're disagree. just not good probably just not good at it you know i was better at games bro i was not better games bro come on bro i think we want that jeff let's just press on with the rest of the show. <laughs> um by the way, thanks to all the guys that are in the, or in guys and gals in the uh, in the chat right now. I am uh, reading all your all your contributions. It's really cool to have such a a big, cool, vibrant audience uh, hanging out with us for E three night. Um, the next game I want to talk about from the from the Sony press conference is the new Media Molecule game. It's called Dreams. Holy mackerel! I don't know what to make of this. Uh, I don't even know if you can call it a game. It feels to me like Media Molecule put all these resources and all this time and energy into creating Big Little Big Planet, uh, which is this creation game, this stylized world, this this magical place to be in and create things. Uh, that's also a platformer, and everybody went, eh, "Your platformer kind of sucks." And at a certain point, they went, "Why do we even?" Why are we even messing around making a platform? Like, why are we even making a game? Let's just make the creation <laughs> stuff and, you know, double down on our strength. And I think the result is this game dreams. It, it seems like it's not really a game so much as, as it is just a way to facilitate creativity and allow you to make things that are beautiful and provocative and interesting. And I'm all for that. I think this looks stunning and unique and my God, what is it exactly? What do you think, Zev? I don't know. I feel like it's masking the fact that it's it's a lot of tools and not a lot of content. Like, yeah, I I I appreciate what they're trying to do, but and they say that you make the, your wildest dream come true. The game's called Dreams. Do whatever you want, but I know the first thing I'm going to try to do is make you know Super Mario Brothers one dash one like <laughs> level one world. You know, it's just like it. I, I appreciate that there's a lot of creativity that comes out of that team. Like that, uh, you know, that series is a uh, little bit planned series has always been something that I, I've really appreciated, but I mean, I want 
a game. I don't want tools. And I'm hoping that there's going to be more to it than make whatever you want. Because when you give someone a black, a blank cave, a canvas and every paintbrush in the world and every color in the world and say, do whatever you want. It's daunting. Like there's no, there needs to be guidance. There needs, and some people, this is how I feel for some people. They want that blank uh, canvas. So, but for me, it's just like, what is it that I'm looking at? What is it? Can I do? I need some guidance to show me why this is something that I want to, you know, delve into. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's so nice that someone is putting the resources to create something as unique and enigmatic as this. Um, Christian, are you, what side do you fall on? More on Zavs. I, I love Media Molecule. I mean, Tearaway was one of my favorite experiences over the past few years. I feel like Minecraft has shown that a blank canvas works, but I also feel like it shows that a blank canvas in a familiar play area works, right? Where everyone has played Lego and there is some familiarity with what you're doing. And also there was a game in there of surviving the night and it launched early access and it did all this stuff really, really well to build this awesome community. I feel like a game like Dream, from what they've shown, if it comes out as shown, unfortunately will get overlooked by all except for the very few dedicated hardcore um, you know, tinkerers and uh, explorers of, of console gamers, and you'll see some really cool YouTube videos for it. But I mean, I'll be I'll put five dollars down right now, Jeff, that you will not play more than four hours of this experience if you even buy it. I will also wager that you will not spend your own money on this game when it comes out. It's a beautiful, awesome thing, but I think Media Molecule needs, I don't quite know what the right analogy is, but they need like a showrunner, you know, in the TV world that knows what they're doing, that's had tons of great hits behind them to come and grab the reins of these, um, yeah. you know, mice running every which way and to make something beautiful and awesome because they just haven't been corralled properly yet. They they are the Terrence Malick of video games. Like they need an editor. <laughs> there they, it is. It's, yes. it's like, listen, people in the chat are saying that I'm wrong and that this is this is not a thing for me. There's not a lot of this specifically, and I agree that they are the sole company that has this sort of creative vision. But if you look at something like Minecraft, that is essentially a blank a blank canvas, which is two words I cannot say. Um. It at least gives you tools and guidance, and then you can be extraordinarily creative with all of those components. And, you know, it's just a quick teaser. They said that it's a thing that they're working on, but and it will hopefully evolve into something. But just as it stands right now, what they've shown, they've shown me like, oh, you can just start shaping things and make a world and make a neat little trailer. I mean, how long did it take to make that? You know, and and what is the end result? Am I is the like the destination the result is the journey am i like what is am i supposed to get the emotion out of it to build things um there's a lot of promise but i just don't know what it is they're trying to promise i don't know i mean i you may be right christian i may not be the guy but i love the fact this that this exists i want to be the guy that watches what other people make and i want to be i you know, there, there are a lot of people that created incredibly intricate stories in The Sims, and there's people that create incredibly detailed levels in Disney Infinity, and there's people that made little big planet levels, and there's people that are going to spend a lot of time in Mario Maker. 
I'm ne- I'm not that guy in any of those cases. I love seeing those things. I love the YouTube videos that result from somebody creating a computer in Little Big Planet and all that stuff. I, I and I think that the things that will result from this game are going to be more beautiful and more evocative and more interesting than any of those things because I think the palette is even more broad and the possibilities are even more outrageous. So you know, I, yes, every, everybody in the chat room is right. There's going to be penises galore, but I think there will also be people really making creative, interesting things. I, I agree with that. I never like want penises. to, <laughs> I never want to poo poo on someone's creation and beauty and art. I mean, I grew up, my father, uh, made his living as an impressionistic painter. Um, I have a lot of artists in my greater family. I get it. I love art. I love exploration. Me as a gamer, I would much rather have journey or flower than dream and you know I, I want to play someone else's beautiful experience that then i get to wrap over mine instead of being told go mold this virtual clay i'm super mm-hmm. glad that this thing exists what i'm scared of is that at some point media, media molecule goes away because they're in the red with every game they make hmm. uh another game that is right at the top of my list of most wanted of thing that feels very special and made just for me is a game uh, that they showed uh, at the Sony press conference next up, and that is uh, Firewatch. This game just seems so cool and so fun and so funny, and it's the game that I've I've wanted. Like, just put me in this interesting environment and create an interesting character around it, and you know, it doesn't necessarily have to have supernatural stuff or crazy things going on, although that may happen at the end of this game, I don't know. But it certainly looks like it's just this... This forest ranger and who's voiced, I think, wonderfully by Rich Sommer. Uh, and he gets, you know, he has this relationship with this, uh, female forest ranger on, on over the walkie talkie and he's kind of investigating his area and there's going to be some mystery of what happens. It just, it just looks like a game I'm going to absolutely love. I, I cannot be more excited for Firewatch. Um, what do you guys think about it? It reminded me of um, the Long Dark, Hildebrand's game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the art style in the Long Dark is slightly different, but um, it's a, it's sort of like the desert and setting of the Long Dark. So I I think it's sort of a similar type of game uh, from Campo Santo, which is their first game, which is super exciting that they're they're getting so much support and the game looks as great as it does. And and I loved the the voice work in the trailer. And it has a lot, it has a lot of mystery around it, which I think is really neat. Every time they've shown it, they've always had that sort of like sting at the end that something mm-hmm. is not exactly what it seems. Yeah. Um, which is neat. Um, and I'm maybe it's just me putting my own like thought on it, but it seems like a survival game like The Long Dark. So maybe that's why I accept it more and not knowing as much about it that I do some of the other games that I don't know enough about. But, um, it does have like a really fun look to it. But it seems like there's this sense of urgency and, and like a thriller in there that I'm I'm really interested in. Yeah, I think I think this game goes heart of darkness on you at some point where it's this bright, beautiful world. Like I want maybe it's, they have that little bit of ominous, like you don't know what's happening. Why aren't you in the tower at the end of the trailer moment? But I love the idea of a heart of darkness type game existing in a beautiful world. Like imagine in actually walking around Yosemite in the perfect springtime day as everything falls apart and you realize you've been lied to, your sanity starts to slip. 
Um, all of a sudden, something mm-hmm. that you've been able to do every day of your life by climbing whatever this rock is is now different because you're exhausted and you're trying to press harder than you can. All of this building with a narrator that you don't know if you can trust. And what do you do? And and I know I'm putting my hopes, dreams, wishes, and desires on this game, but that's what I got out of the trailer. And I would love to play that kind of game. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be that or not. Uh, I'm just so encouraged by, you know, I love shooters. I love violence in games. I'm, you know, I have a great time killing stuff in video games. I, I don't necessarily want to get rid of that, but I lo- love how many games in the Sony press conference didn't show any killing at all. I just think that is the coolest thing. I mean, you start with Last Guardian, no killing, Dreams, no killing, Firewatch, no killing. It's it, the fact that we have these kinds of experiences now, uh, even in the Xbox conference, there's these games, uh, there's a game called, uh, the fire and the flood that looks really interesting that, that is just a, about being in a place and there's no supernatural stuff going. It's, it's this girl trying to, you know, get through this flood with her dog. Uh, just the fact that there's a variety of these kinds of experiences and it's not all the same thing anymore is what's, it feels so vibrant and interesting, this industry right now. And, and I love it. Uh, so the Firewatch is, is for me a great example of that. Uh, and then of course they had to return to the theme of the Sony press conference, which is fan service, baby. <laughs> Holy moly, Final Fantasy VII Remake is actually happening. This is something people have been clamoring for for, what, a decade, guys? A decade people have wanted that? Uh, more? It's it's actually happening. It's certainly not happening anytime soon. <laughs> but, uh... No, what? by the time they release this game, it's going to be 13-4 or something. Yeah, right, it's, uh, right. Because <laughs> they keep... No, I'm I'm... I was shocked that it happened. Um, it was always been the thing that people have been joking about since they showed that tech demo on the PS3 like ages ago. And Square Enix was like, no, 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 we're not making that. We're just want to show you the power of the system. But Square Enix probably sat down in an office one day and realized like, you know what would make money? <laughs> But how could they not know that before now? <laughs> that pe- they know it. People have been clamoring for. I don't know. It's so crazy to me that this is actually a thing. Now, um, yeah. I don't know if. It, I mean, personally, I would prefer Final Fantasy VIII remake. But I mean, Final Fantasy VII brought a lot of people into that franchise. Yeah, and that is a, that is a that is one of people's favorite games in that series. So I mean, I. I I, I'm going to play the hell out of that. And it was another one of those games that was at a lot of the main conferences or Sony and Microsoft that was like first on or games that are coming to other platforms that are timed exclusive. Like uh, we don't know exactly the platforms Final Fantasy seven is going to end up on, but we, it's probably going to be PC and maybe Xbox one um, because, you know, Square Enix does put games on both of those platforms, but it's first on PS4 sort of the same, like rise of the tomb Raider situation that Microsoft has with Square Enix over there. Um, but yeah, yeah. but this, you know, it was hilarious. Some people on Twitter were complaining about like, man, I hate CG trailers. C- they don't show anything. And and then they showed that trailer and everyone's like, oh, now it's fine. You see someone's back for five seconds and it's totally cool. It's going to be the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. Like, that, so, that sword, I, though, that sword, that, that well, that's sword, Final fantasy, but, though, also, right. Final fantasy trailers have always been these awesome seven originally was this awesome CG trailer. Uh, that's like blaming right. uh, Diab- Diablo four for launching with an awesome CG trailer. It's like, no. I would almost think it'd be weird if Diablo 4, if or when it comes out, they just show like click, 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 click gameplay. It's like, I want to see the mouse, not even the game. I want to see awesome. (laughs) This was, this was huge. This was a huge 
get a huge reveal. If it doesn't come out 2018, as long as real progress gets made on it and Square Enix doesn't go out of business, I mean, this this is massive. And I think, Zav, the only reason... I think 8 is a very good game, but I think the thing that 7 suffers from is I would call it the Matrix effect, where the Matrix, the first Matrix, is an incredible movie, but you saw it and you loved it, and then you came to school the next day, and the captain of the football team was talking about loving it, and then everyone was talking, and then your mom loved it, and you were like, you know what? The Matrix sucked, (laughs) because everyone loved it. (laughs) Final Fantasy 7 is great. Just pull back the fact that it's this cultural icon that gave oh, this franchise I mean, 10 years of crappy games. No no doubt. I mean, I'm just saying, like, as someone who's played all of those games, I, I mean, I just preferred, the, like, the story and the systems in 8. But 7 is where a lot of people were introduced to this franchise. It sort of bred a brand new generation of RPG players. Uh, you know, people who didn't play a lot of SNES stuff or people who were just introduced to... I mean, th- this was a game that legitimately can only have been done on one platform at the time. And it was so iconic because of what it represented, the direction of games in general. And that's why I think it's such a, it's a phenomenon and it's a cultural icon. And it had like things like, I feel like spoiler warnings didn't exist before this game. You know, it's, (laughs) it's things like that were bred out of this amazing story and and experience from this exact game. But like, if you look at the systems, it's a lot more, it's a simpler game than some of the later stuff, but I still, it's a great game. I mean, let's not go. It's going to make a million dollars. I'm, I, I threw my wallet at my monitor. Nothing happened. I'm upset. Like, I want the game to just come right at me now. So, I just don't I mean, understand. I, I, you say it, it bred a generation of gamers, but yeah, that like two generations ago of gamers. <laughs> I, I just, um, you know, this and Shenmue, uh, there were people around me inside the theater that were going bananas. And yeah. I know by looking at them, they were babies when these games were out. Like, I don't, I just, I'm curious how many people were cheering because of the reputation of these games rather than because they actually have any feels, think, genuine feels, but whatever. I think part of it is it's, it's dreams can come true, right? Like whether or not you like Shenmue right. one or two, or you even know or have played Final Fantasy seven, which still plays the same, you know, you can find a PS one version of that game and, and play it just fine. Um, the gameplay is still there. It's compelling. Uh, the mechanics are still compelling. Like Zeb said, it's not the most complex, but it's it, what, what the Sony press conference did is that it told all of us that Santa Claus is real. It re and, and fired that. <laughs> well, more than he, more that he's listening. It's, yeah, it's like, that's what it's I mean. like, they hear us. They hear me. They know what I want. That's what yeah. I, that's exactly what I mean. Like he's real. He's out there. He knows if you've been good or bad, he's going to give you what you want. Um, and and that's what made it such an amazing press conference. Whether or not these games will be good, you know, I'm so glad that Shenmue 3 is funded so that I don't have to put any money up and I can wait for it to come out and get mediocre reviews and then play it for 10 minutes when it's free on PS Plus. But, like, <laughs> in terms of press conferences, if, if if Sony's press conference didn't get you excited and tingly at the state of, like, gaming and where we are in fan service, um, you're lying or you're dead inside. Like, they, they did yeah. everything right from a spectacle, not from a games I'm I- playing this year. I mean, yeah, and E3, they, that's what E3 does though, right? It, it like, it picks up on things that you love because they need those pops. Like it, they need those audience pops. You're not going to be like, oh, this is a brand new franchise that I know nothing about. Let me cheer about it for 20 minutes. Like it's, they need that logo to come up and have people flip out. So we're having this conversation right now. Like Shenmue 3, I don't care about it at all. Cause I played Shenmue 1 and 2. And they, I mean, they were okay. Like, I feel like the, that I was where nostalgia. Games. 
I mean, I don't, I, I never did, but like, I feel like that's where nostalgia picks up a lot with that series. So it, it'll, you know, and also side note, we're not at Shenmue, but like, it's kind of gross that Sony was like, Hey, this is a Kickstarter you should go support. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't like if, Kickstarter. If that's I have a weird relationship with that. I, 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 part of me agrees that that's super gross. But I also think it's super gross that Microsoft is bringing early access to consoles and that early access exists in Steam. We're in this weird world now where fans had been clamoring for Shenmue 3, but clearly it seems developers or um, publishers, I'm sorry, were passing on the game or, you know, it's this fine line of I really enjoyed the Veronica Mars movie. But that movie could have never been a studio movie where or, you know, they they need to see that there's fan interest in enough people putting their money where their mouth is to make this thing. And the word on the street is now that Sony is coming along and helping because I think what the first Shenmue was a 50 million dollar game years and years and Mm -hmm. years ago. Like there's no way they're making Mm -hmm. Shenmue three for two million unless it exists on a HD cassette somewhere (laughs) and they're just releasing it. Well, and Sony is Sony today came out and said that they're they're going to be financially supporting the development of that game anyway so if sony's already backing it why then do they need to go out and say like hey this is on kickstarter right now because what was sony gonna like but how like, is that pie in the sky this happens i mean but no guess- pie in the sky this happens this is my question let's say it didn't get funded sony put it on their stage now sony's gonna say like oh it didn't get funded we're not gonna give you any of that money like that game has to exist regardless so what sony putting on their stage says is we want to excite you about the possibility of this. We're going to invest in it, but we want you to go out and spend all of your money on the promise of a franchise that hasn't been around for how long now? Since the nineties? Like that's on gamers and consumers. And Jeff, I think, you know, I'm curious to get your take on this. We've gone both ways on, on Kickstarter, but the thing existing, does the fact that drugs exist in the world, ruin the world or is it the people that are willing to use these drugs and abuse their bodies and ruin their families that you know what i mean like at what point is a person supporting the kickstarter to blame not the fact that kickstarter exists like jeff i mean did this rub you the wrong way or is it this is gaming in 2015 it didn't i thought it was a watershed moment the fact that they put a you know a publicly funded thing on stage at at uh, e3 and i'm curious you know i'm curious if it didn't matter what they put on stage at E3 because they put it on stage at E3 it would have gotten funded. Or if it was, if it was this particular game, I know there obviously is a lot of nostalgia for Shenmue, uh, you know, in the hearts of gamers in the, in the chat room, honey Rider says, I hope they package Shenmue one and two with it so I can play them. I don't envy anybody that hasn't played Shenmue one and two, not because they <laughs> missed out on anything, but because they think that they are, they think they missed out on something. I mean, I loved those games. I played those games all the way through. I completed those games. I played them with my girlfriend at the time. It was like one of the first games I'd ever played with a girlfriend that she, where she was like, Oh my gosh, I'm as into this as you. It was a completely different kind of experience. But if those case games Wait. came out today, they would be panned. Did you guys Did- break up because you never got a resolution to the story? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was what it was. She just wanted to, she wanted to find out where sha- sailors hang out and then we couldn't. Um, uh, no, I think it just they, sets they, a it sets a bad precedent because we know the vision of which because they've talked about it for a long time about what Shenmue Three was supposed to be. But asking for we're going to make this game for two million dollars, like there's there's obviously going to be other investors involved, right? So I just think it's I, I interviewed um, the, uh, Jane Jensen not too long ago uh, when Joystick was still around, and she talked about how 
it's impossible to make a game for money on Kickstarter because if you ask for what you actually need, you'll never make it. And if you, uh, so you have to undercut what you actually need right. to get funded. Right. And then you are in a really bad position where we don't have any money to do this. And it sort of throws the entire system for a loop, which is contrary to what it exists, the reason why it exists. So I'm being an old fogey about it. Like it, this is just the way that it is. And I'm not going to like say like, I'm not ever going to play this game because of the Kickstarter. I just think it's, it's a little, they played on nostalgia and then they kind of then asked you to go flip the bill for them when they had this major reveal. It's like, yeah, we, we're going to put Shinmu on a console. If you go out and spend your money on it right now, and it's not going to come out for a few years. It's just like, I mean, having watched a lot of Kickstarter projects, I've, I've supported a lot of board game Kickstarters, things that just stopped existing over time. Yeah. So, well, I think at, at this point, a lot of these companies are using it to gauge interest. They're using it as a marketing tactic. They're using it as a way to, to drum up support for something that wouldn't normally have support. And I think, I don't know. I don't fault the Kickstarterization of the industry necessarily. I think, nor do I. You have to be, I think you have to be smart with what you throw your money at, but these people are, I mean, it's, it's very political, right? It's, it's using money as free speech at this point. People are just saying, I'm donating my money to have my voice heard that I want this. And I'm just so curious how many people that supported it even played one and two, because these are games I'm convinced would be the laughing stock of the internet if they were put out today. I mean, I loved the order and. People ripped it and panned it for having QTEs. You know where QTEs came from, folks? Shenmue. Shenmue mm-hmm. invented them. Yu Suzuki invented the QTE. Uh, there's, you know, there's a, people joke about the forklift simulator. I played that level a lot. It, you have to do a lot of forklifting. The combat system in Shenmue is not good. The dialogues is not well written. There's a lot of weird stuff taking care of this cat for some reason. There's, there is so much tedium in Shenmue, and yet I love those games. I'm not saying that people's love is is uh, misappropriated. I, I think your people's love is genuine. The nostalgia is genuine. I certainly have nostalgia for those games. Uh, but people that yeah. haven't played them, I think people that haven't played them have a, a warped idea of what those games were. They were revolutionary at the time. They're, Shenmue is not revolutionary in today's gaming world you know I, I mean and i listen i've kickstarted things and i think kickstarter as a platform for independent developers is an amazing thing the issue that i have when doing it on e3 stage is at e3 we're supposed to go there and see what the promise of the future is and this is the first time in the history of the of the that stage show that the promise was hinges on us opening our pocketbooks to make the promise they're giving, like making that promise to us, we have to pay for it now. So that promise that they're telling us on that stage actually comes true. And that's what I don't like about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Shenmue getting funding on Kickstarter is great. It's just it appearing on the stage show, getting people amped up and then them saying like, it'll happen if you go and kickstart it. That's the problem where I'm like, uh, guys, it's just like, it's a weird moment, but it'll happen again and I'll deal with it. I, I think we'll all live somehow <laughs> yeah i mean i think the fact that in one conference you had the resurrection of shenmue uh, a remake of of final fantasy 7 and uh, last guardian all in the same conference i think that's just like any one of those things would be quote unquote megaton and the fact that all of them happened at once i think is is pretty pretty amazing um 
And, and, and it just, it, it felt like being in that room with all those people and like gasps and shocks and no being said over and over. Like it felt like anything was possible in that, in the, in those moments. It felt like there's this, this tidal wave of all of these things happening that couldn't all be happening that we've, we never thought would happen. It, it was very special and. Um, that's why when I walked out of it, I felt like Sony did something remarkable. Yeah. It's to a very narrow audience. It's to a very, you know, they were preaching to a very specific choir, but if you're in that choir, like I am, it, it meant something. It felt like something. And that's a special thing. I I mean, Oh wait, guys, the Golden State Warriors just won the NBA championship. Yes, they did. Uh, Uh, Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm a huge Golden State Warriors fan. I have been since I was a little kid, and it's been seventy since seventy eight that they've even been to the playoffs. So How many Golden State NBA final championships would you trade for one Niners Super Bowl win? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, but I thought LeBron said he was the best in the world. Just, yeah, he just needs, he needs some teammates, man. <laughs> he needs some teammates. Anyway, go ahead. So, so to your point of a Sony's E3 press conference. Um, I think they hands down air quote one E3 this year with their press conference. I think their press conference this year was one of the best press conferences of recent E3 memory. And what you're saying about them preaching to the choir is right, but it, it's, it's too, it's too small of a view of, of what it was because they also had the call of duty DLC exclusivity moving over to them. They had assassins creed. They had star Wars. They had uncharted four, like yeah. all these games we haven't talked about. They had street fighter five. They had the awesome, normal E3 bombastic triple a games, um, pounding away at this thing, but they also had three mic drops. And what Sony did well again this year is they got the energy in the room into a place of, of fandom and super fandom that was infectious and contagious, even to people watching around the world that if you're watching, you're at least somewhat interested in, in video games more so than, you know, Joe Walmart or whatever, you know, person that just gets their Madden or their one game a year. And you have that energy, that, that electricity rippling through the room. Then when they start showing Star Wars, Disney Infinity 3.0, you're already on the edge of your seat and you're like, yes, and, and everything is going and the hair is on the back of your neck and you're excited for Battlefront and this is amazing. And what the crap, Shenmue 3. And then all of a sudden you're watching Nathan Drake mm-hmm. just drive his car over ruining the businesses of several several small businessmen in this beautiful island location and you're okay with it because it's everything that a that a spectacle that a press conference should be and saying that they were just preaching to the choir ignores the fact that all those other staples of an e3 press conference of a modern e3 press conference were also covered they, they mm. re- somehow recreated the magic of last year where they said oh our console's a dollar microsoft how do you like them apples and, and, and the fact that they did it two years in a row is incredible. And I think last year it showed that hype and buzz and positivity around a projected success of a console will take it a long way. Because let's be honest, neither of these current gen consoles have truly delivered this next gen awesome experience, but they're selling like hotcakes and PS4 leading the charge off this expectation and this goodwill that somehow humbled Sony continues to nurture. And it's incredible that they did it back to back. Yeah. Um, we're going way long as I knew we would. Um, so I, you know, I do want to talk about some of the other conferences as well. I don't want to give short shrift to Sony. We have talked about them a lot. Y- you brought up Uncharted 4. I, we do have to talk about that, uh, because it melted my face in every possible way. I watched, <laughs> I, I went to sleep last night, uh, sitting in my hotel room, uh, with my iPad in my lap, watching it 
over and over the Uncharted <laughs> trailer. Uh, but before I get to that, I do want to talk about, um, No Man's Sky, which is, you know, this, it's a massive game. It's associated with the, with the PlayStation brand at this point. It, people are super excited about it. It, it seemed, you know, he seemed rushed. Sean Murray on stage seemed rushed. He's like, oh, you only have three minutes. I don't know. For the first time, and Christian, I know you've been saying this all along, but for the first time, I found myself worried about No Man's Sky. Me um, too. It, it was the first time I'd seen that game and said to myself, oh, uh, is there going to be context for this? Is there going to be any kind of reason for me to do this stuff um you know i love sandbox games i love open world i love the scope and and size of this game i love science fiction i love specifically the sort of 60s era science fiction that this is uh inspired by but but seeing seeing just another example of how big and massive everything is without any kind of specificity and without any kind of context kind of made me worried. It's like, am I going to want to just like build a Wikipedia for you? Is that all I'm doing? Is this, this fish is marginally different than the other 15 million fish that people have uploaded before. Uh, yeah, he showed giant laser combat area, but I think the uncharted demo was a great example of how character and story and context and narrative is so fulfilling because here's these characters we care about, we love, and they're constantly quipping and talking as we're going through this crazy action. It just felt hollow and and empty in the No Man's Sky. Yes, it was only three minutes long. Am I wrong about this? They need to stop showing it. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those games that the more the the magic like behind the scenes is shown, the the less people get interested in it and not because the game doesn't look good or because it's not fascinating. It's because it is a whole bunch of, how do you do, how do you explain discovery to someone mm-hmm. with it being contextualized in entertainment? It's just difficult to even do that. And they've always tried to do that. And it's, it's just a huge grand vision of a thing that, it seems like every time they start talking about it, I I don't see the game. I start seeing spreadsheets. You know what I mean? Like we build this out of all these different variables. And this is what you see. The, the line that I think that was meant to excite that made me kind of uh, not enjoy the game as much was there. This is an entire universe of planets. Some of them may never even be discovered. That's not like, so what what th- that tells me is is that there's no direction for content. It's just a bunch of stuff to see, and you might not see all the stuff. Like so, it does need to it does need to sort of focus itself on something. Um, and if that's discovery, that's great. But I want it to be like mine, uh, Minecraft, where I just kind of go into the world and I figure things out for myself. You know what Minecraft didn't do? They didn't have huge stage demos of explaining how it's just do whatever you want mm-hmm. a couple of years in a row. It's like they need to stop showing it because the game looks really impressive. That team is really impressive. But the more they talk about it, I think the less interested people get. What do you think, Christian? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think where No Man's Sky could find success is as a... Oh, what's the word? A second screen game isn't quite the right word, but like, let's say... You know, I'm sitting here playing Bloodborne and I get stressed out and without 
needing to have it load at all like it's on my other console and i just turn and fly around and i leave that going you know what I mean? that's how you're hanging out with your friends we're both playing um here's of the storm but we also have no man's sky running somewhere and then while you're waiting for your game to load you go and find this fish in this beautiful world and you send a place you know you share a picture of it or whatever and i go want to go see it then i go look at it it's you know the way a lot of people played destiny early on where you just basically hang out with friends going oh neat this thing and it's just kind of Skype point game. Uh, and I think it could succeed there, but it is the type of game where because it got so much attention and hype initially that I feel like they're starting Hello Games is starting to feel a little bit of that pressure and Sony is starting to lean into them. I think they said, I don't know if it was a year ago now or six months ago, that they're looking at it as a first party um, game. And I think that some of that, we got to show it, this is going to be huge, takes the magic off of. I mean, imagine if we saw um, Braid a million times and or fez even we kind of did see fez too much but you know like that type of game just let me play it and then discover that the qr code does this and that when i beat fez i've yet to start fez and that's what's awesome about it i feel like when this game comes out it's because people like you said i pulled back that wizard of oz curtain it's just going to be i found this i found this i found this i found this and then it's kind of like it's done but i hope i'm wrong i'd love for that game to be the best thing i've ever played Chat was pointing out earlier also that um, No Man's Sky is, uh, they announced at the PC gaming conference that it, it will come out day and date on PC and PS4. Hmm, that's good. So, Just no day so that's at least good for, yeah, oh, exactly. Man, that we PC We have to discover that too. That PC, that PC conference, oh, don't get me started. Um, <laughs> okay, guys, I mean, we, we should, we should really move on, but, uh, you mean Uncharted 4, that, that was one of the most incredible demos I've ever seen. Ever. And it, it and started, it started yeah. with a massive error, and yet it completely <laughs> still won me over and yeah. melted my face. I like to think that they showed off the awkwardness engine first, and then <laughs> they showed off the rest of the game. I just, it's well, it those felt people. almost like they did. It, it almost felt if I, you know, if I didn't know better, I would think they did that on purpose just to show you that it wasn't pre-rendered, you know, like <laughs> because it just looks so incredible. That's for sure not the case, but right. that, uh, but no, it it looks fantastic. But I, you know, it's interesting to see where that game's going. I mean, the the story seems to change every time they show a trailer. Like now, Nate. Nathan is really young and uh, Sully's young. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, it's, it, it'll be weird. It, it'll be interesting to see because this is the first game without uh, Amy Hennig. Yeah. Also, uh, this is a Neil Druckmann joint now. So I wonder how those characters will interact and if we'll see a big difference in the way that they, I think the actors will bring a lot to it because they've played those roles for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it, it, it's pretty interesting. It just feels so great when you're, you know, that, that big action sequence is happening and they're making those quips and they're relating to each other in such a human way and everything feels so real. I mean, if that exact scene, even shot in that exact way, just, just with a camera behind it the whole time was in a movie, I think it would still be just as thrilling as what I watched. It, it was, I just was so blown away by it. I'm sure you agree, Christian. Oh, I mean, it, it's incredible. Also, though, Zav, I think to uh, alleviate your fears is Neil was the game designer and co-writer of Uncharted 1 and Uncharted 2. He was not yeah. uh, as involved in Uncharted 3. Well, he's not new. Three, which and I he did Last of Us. Right. So, so. I, I think he's arguably involved in the best Uncharted's yet <laughs> and not the worst. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I think this game will be in good hands. I think it might have a little darker tone. 
Uh, I can't bring up Uncharted, though, without mentioning that the Nathan Drake collection is still the stupidest name for the remaster of <laughs> Uncharted 1 through 3, without also mentioning mm-hmm. that I'm going to buy that stupid named game. <laughs> <laughs> People uh, in chat are saying that I'm totally wrong and that they were older. They look younger than the trailer where Nathan Drake was super gray, but that was pre-rendered. So maybe that's why it didn't look, they looked younger in the actual gameplay footage. Uh, but I mean, it's not like they haven't played with time in that series before, so it could be either way. True. Uh, okay, guys, Nintendo. Um, I think we're all going to probably voice some disappointment with what Nintendo showed. You know, they don't do press conferences anymore. They do these directs as they have, I think what, two years now. Um, and you know, Star Fox, we got Star Fox right away was the first thing they showed. Um, but let's just kind of talk about Nintendo in general. It felt like there was a lot of emphasis on 3DS games. And my take, I tweeted this, but my take was it seemed like uh, from what they showed, I I don't want to be cynical about it, but it, it really felt like what are the games we can get out there into the pipeline fast because we don't have much. Um, Star Fox does look pretty cool. But what is your take on Nintendo, Zev? Uh, well, they tried to do a barrel roll into my heart <laughs> and ended up crashing and burning. Um, I mean, I like Star Fox, so that's pretty pretty rad for me. I'm totally into that. Uh, I was waiting for I was waiting for uh, Metroid, and they finally said Metroid, and then they gave us some horrible like Weird. knockoff that I'd find in a like a, a Chinese farmer's market. <laughs> Um, you know what I mean? I'm in Nintendo 65. Like, I'm like, what am I even looking at? Yeah. It's, I was just like, no, I'm not, not, not on, not on board with it. But I mean, I don't know. It's Star Fox for me was the big thing. I'm going to go with Star Fox. I mean, that was, their conferences are so weird to gauge now because they are aren't live. It's a pre-recorded thing. They have a lot of announcements that happen like in treehouse events later. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's difficult. It it did seem like a lot of their announcements were dot, dot, dot disappointing. You know, it was like Metroid prime remake on 3ds, uh, animal crossing board game version on Wii U. Um, uh, Mario, tennis coming to Wii U. You know, it's like, oh, it's all dot, dot, dot disappointing. <laughs> I don't stop with the dot, dot, dot. Like, stop stop where we all want you to stop instead of continuing on. Uh, I know you're, I know you're going to rant, Christian, so fire it up. Well, I can't, I mean, you, you saw my tweets. I can't repeat those. This is a, this is a clean show. Um, this d- digital presentation by Nintendo was horrible. Um, I think it was Miyamoto that you know, tweeted that he saw people's uh, distaste for it and said he promised they'd do better next year. Um, I don't believe you because Nintendo's been saying that for four years. You should be embarrassed, mm. Nintendo, by this. And I know I'm going to anger some um, people that live, breathe, die Nintendo. That being said, I think I've been banned from uh, <laughs> Nintendo press events because I'm hard on them. I don't care. Um, this was this was disgusting. It was horrible. It was pathetic. <laughs> It was, it would have been a, a horrible showing to happen in the middle of the year. Um, to have it be your E3 digital announcement is a disgrace. Um, the fact that this was pre recorded and your transitions were as horrible and awkward as they were, go watch 30 Rock, watch every episode of 30 Rock and see how beautifully and wonderfully edited that show is. And then watch the live versions of that show and see how hard it is to do good live theater. And then go watch Microsoft's press conference and realize how amazing job they how amazing job they did 
and how horrible of a job you did, Nintendo. You announced. Well, Go to, ahead. Let me just say, but to be fair, I, I think Nintendo is at this point embracing this kind of uh, kitschy, goofy, awkward, badly produced thing. Like it's almost their aesthetic choice at this point. If you know, all of their stuff is like that. The the Nintendo uh, World Championships announcement was was awkward and weird, and I think it's I think it's intentional. I think that's people writing fan fiction that makes Prometheus good. I think it's people explaining the ending of Mass Effect and making that a game that was had weight. Uh, Mass Effect Three. I, I think that they're stumbled into it. And I think it's kind of like the Wii being a success and them trying to claim credit for they knew what they did and they're going to improve upon it with the Wii U. I think Nintendo makes some of the best games ever created, and some of the games on the Wii U are incredible. Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze uh, is one of the best platformers of all time, and it needs to be held up as such, um, but because it's on such a crappy system, it gets overlooked. But th- even if you're trying to do weird, you know, watch some Mega64 videos that do weird gaming so, so, so well... Um, I mean, didn't they hire those guys several times? And those are some of the best things that they've done. Uh, yeah. uh, Nintendo's done, but uh, pacing aside, I think from- I think Nintendo is is trying to mask their lack of direction with quirkiness. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like we need to be cute because we don't have really much to say. I like Star Fox, but that's something you know that does that make an entire E3 press conference? No, I mean, and what do they show? They, they don't have any support for their platform. Wii U is is a is I don't want to say it's a lost cause, but because they release some really good games on them, but they're the ones that release those really good games. Mm-hmm. And no Even- one else is releasing anything of quality on that platform because when they try, it never sells. What are you going to do at this point with that platform? Well, even so, the Star Fox reveal is a thing that made me think time reinforced my opinion that Nintendo doesn't know what they're doing, and then when they do things great, it's almost blind luck. Because the Star Fox reveal and the gameplay reveal in and of itself should have been enough, and that was cool, and that should get people excited. And then they have that developer insight thing in the things. Was that Miyamoto that was talking? I forget because I blocked it out of my memory like a bad dream. <laughs> He's sitting there saying, "Now that we have two sticks." We can do really cool things like give barrel roll its own button. Shut the F up. What did you just, the things he was saying, explaining what makes this game cool. And now you can fly. This is, this is crazy. Like, just the dumbest things. That's like, you, that really got you excited. Or do you just have 20 minutes you need to fill while you did, got B roll? I got that B roll walking around this beautiful <laughs> temple. It was so yeah. dumb. And, and there was this moment. There was this moment where Miyamoto was talking about how now you hit the A button and you turn into a walker. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And then he literally says, um, "Yeah, this was something that was in Star Fox Two, but that game never came out. So now you can do it." It's like, uh, okay. I mean, like, mm-hmm. are you leveraging the game that never came out for features on this particular? Like, I don't know. When you it's fly, just like you lift back on the stick, and now. You can inverse controls. Like now, you can do waggle to. Oh my god! When Apple does it, everybody loves it. Apple's like, now you can have. Multiple- what Apple's doing something new? I'm gonna. Where do no, I pre-order when they, it? When they go, uh, yeah, they go. Uh, we, now you can have multiple windows on one device. It's like, um, but that's called a computer in 1992. So, <laughs> you know, to, to be Apple anyway. Defense Force, the difference is that Apple became the market leader in the device that everyone uses because of how tightly integrated everything else is. And so when they finally add a feature to the thing that everyone has anyway, you love it. It's like the new Xbox one dash apparently is getting rave reviews because 
you have this console anyway, and now they're making the dash more usable. That's totally different than than being Android or being the underdog, the Nintendo, and saying now we have shoulder buttons, which is a, basically what they were saying. And Yoshi Woolly World looks really darn cute, and I kind of love it. Um, but th- I'm almost, I, I just want to be done talking about Nintendo because what a, what a okay. piece of crap! What a piece of crap! You know, I I'm trying to be silver lining guy here, but I I have to agree that I I really was disappointed by a lot of what they showed. But chiefly with with Star Fox, I was I was disappointed with how they seemed to completely not understand the two screen experience. <laughs> you know, you created yeah. a, a, a console here that has its own big screen, and so what you do is you make me have to decide which of them I'm looking at to play your game. Like that doesn't seem to make any sense to me. I, I feel like I could be playing just like I can with, uh, with Kirby. I can turn off the tell. I play that game with the television off exclusively. I played it on the pad because it was a touchscreen experience on the pad and I never looked at the television. So why am I wasting energy with the television on? I feel like that's going to be the same thing with Star Fox. It, there really is no reason. It's like, you're playing a game on your pad and you're inviting an audience over. So you need to have this screen on in your living room. Um, I don't understand that. And I, and I, you know, I, I think if you're a 3ds owner, there's, there's probably a, a lot of really cool. And I am one. Ryu and um, smash is great. Ryu and smash is incredible. Ryu and smash. And there was a ton of games announced. There's a new Zelda coming up for 3ds. That looks really, really fun. I'm sure it's going to be great. Uh, and I a mean, lot they of emphasize things, the but, lot on their toys though. Like, Amiibo. Well, that's what's making money. Like, the Skylight. Exactly. I mean, like, the, but there's no, there's no software there that I'm, I'm getting excited about. Like, it says a lot when Mario Maker is the, the thing people are really excited about because, like, hey, we love Mario. Let's just make our own stuff at this point because what else are we gonna play? Like, do I want to play uh, Smash Tennis on Wii U? No, yeah. no. I, I want to play. You know what I want? I want a 2D Metroid game on 3DS. Or, you know, another continuation of that series. What I don't want to play is, is some lame robots in a four-player co-op game that has the Metroid logo slapped on it because they <laughs> remembered this year that they own that, that franchise. <laughs> I swear to God, Nintendo, I made this joke last time, I think I was on the show, when Smash was coming out. Nintendo forgets they own Metroid, Metroid so much, they put Samus in their last game twice as two <laughs> different characters. Mm-hmm. Her in the suit, her out of the suit. It's like... It's it's almost like they forgot that it's the same person. I know that's not. I know that they wanted to separate it that way, but it's just like literally like it's one of your best franchises that can go that has actually evolved in ways your other franchises have not really done in a lot of a lot of time. And it's just like it's it's ludicrous that this is what they're like. Oh, this is good enough. Just put the name on it. We'll be fine. Like, oh, I just uh, it drives oh, me crazy. What I want from Nintendo is them to somebody there to wake up and go, hey. Let's not let's stop mining the same five characters and franchises we have for the last 30 years and let's create something new and let's push this company forward instead of instead of creating, you know, new properties and sticking our characters our established characters in them. Let's create new characters. Let's let's build this company forward and and yeah, you know, I still want a Zelda, I still want a Metroid, I still want a Mario, but that's all the company makes is is those things now, a Donkey Kong. You know, it's it, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, let's stop. Uh, let's stop that uh, and move on to some of the third party stuff. Let's we'll make this a potpourri because uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't make this a three hour show. Um, 
what uh you know we got bethesda we had ubisoft we had ea we had square enix and we had uh the pc game conference that i won't even mention anymore because it was <laughs> i figured really bethesda sad. we'll we'll probably spend the most time on so maybe if you want to do that later but yeah ea had some really neat stuff um they uh Star Wars Battlefront looks really great. People actually got to see the game in action. I played it today. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, Liked it a lot. Well, you know, it's still Battlefield. It's still yeah, Battlefront. It's still a shooter, multiplayer shooter. Uh, it, it feels like it's, you know, it's got this incredible Star Wars skin on it. And man, is that Star Wars skin very beautiful and very mm-hmm. Star Warsy. But, uh, you know, it's not the game I really want. I want, I want to be playing through story missions in those worlds, not, not just multiplayer missions. But if you're into Star Wars and you, you like multiplayer shooters, man, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Well, you have that iOS game to look forward to. Whatever that was called. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember what it was. Um, and there's a new Old Republic expansion coming out. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, it's not, it, it is, it's definitely, a, it's like a playhouse for, it's sort of like Disney Infinity Star Wars and on another level. You know, it's like you just make this world come alive and play inside of these locations, which I think is really cool. But that looked, uh, really cool. Um, I'm Canadian, so I'm going to mention NHL 16. Mm. I hated 15 with a passion last year at E3. I talked about it uh, on this show. And uh, I was really surprised. Like, it looked amazing, and they did a lot of great things. And then the game came out and had no features whatsoever. They t- pulled everything out of it because it was they forgot that you know how to make that game basically. And uh, this year they've they they already have the feature list out, which they've never done this early. And they brought back a lot of stuff they took out, which is thank goodness for hockey fans. Um, other you know, um, Mirror's Edge. Uh, Catalyst seems like a neat thing. I know people really love Mirror's Edge. It was yeah. never one of my favorite games, but uh, I think that that's it's great that that franchise can exist still by the will, sheer will of the people. Really, that mm-hmm. that franchise is being revived. They uh, could have just kickstarted it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why not try it? Just do it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, other stuff that maybe looked great to other people at other conferences. Unravel. Sp- Unravel. Unravel. Yeah. yeah, unravel. Wow. Uh, what I mean, the fact that that's coming from EA is is pretty remarkable. But how charming was was that guy? And uh, you know, we have Wooly uh, Yoshi, which looks awesome. But this is its own unique thing. It's a this wool character in a real world. Uh, it just looks so charming. I, I'm anxious to play that game. I think it looks great. Yeah, I, I think that me stole EA's press conference. Other stuff you kind of saw and were expecting. Um, if we're just kind of you know, dancing around Ubisoft. Um, I think I tweeted, oh, the, you know, the way uh, Bethesda announced and officially revealed Fallout 4 is a million times better than the way Ubisoft announces and reveals anything. Um, that being mm-hmm. said, I loved Far Cry 3 and 4 and Blood Dragon. Um, and I think Ubisoft has some really fun games in there. But the the division looks incredible still. I just... You know, I I am never going to believe Ubisoft. I'm sorry. I just, I won't. And then they did the thing that they always do is here's the game we're going to see at the next five E3s. Like, why did I need to see whatever that Tom Clancy? Just like, wait, just wait, just wait. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, I do want to mention. Sorry. Doom. Oh my God. I don't know what that was running on. uh, Was that eight Titans? It looks awesome. It looks awesome. It also looks super slow. 
Like really? I don't remember. I it looked, yeah, I don't remember it fast. No, I, I mean every single time you kill someone with a chainsaw, you have to watch like a f- five second animation. Like, hmm. I mean, some of that stuff is. I, I mean, the gameplay movement speed is fast, but some of that stuff is just like it's spectacle, and I don't know that that adds to gameplay. It reminded like, me of Bullet Storm. Yes, I tweeted that exactly. Yeah, it reminded me exactly. It was just like uh, I mean, it looks awesome, and I'm gonna I'm gonna love blowing stuff up in that game. That's not the problem. I just think like they were they were talking about how like the thing that makes Doom important is its speed, and the game seemed slow to me. But I'm I'm a Doom sucker, so I'll play that like crazy. So it doesn't really matter. Well, I'm surprised you said that. I thought it looked really fast and furious and arcadey and, and just, just a load of fun. It, it, it reminded me, it felt like that bullet storm sort of, you're the maestro of death and they just, you know, like playing with people and the, all those fun finishing moves they showed. It just, it, and how insanely gorgeous it looked. I like um, how it's going back to what it was. It, it wasn't like Doom 3 tried too much to make it like a Silent Hill game. You know what I mean? Mm, like, a, yeah. or like condemned criminal origins, that kind of style. Right. And this is more frantic action. And, you know, it's just, uh, I think it, it, it looks really good. I mean, I'm just talking about that one animation seemed like it takes a little too long. I'm not saying the game is slow. Like mm. people are mis. I, like, I think that might be scaled back. I feel like that's a demo type thing. I hope they do. Maybe they can do a slider because I do think if that happens, every, I don't know how many different chainsaw animations there are, but after you see it once, it's you know kind of like the X-ray moves in right. Mortal Kombat. It loses its shine. But when they went down to hell in that game, I was just like, I'm playing this on easy. I this is incredible. I can't play this oh, on yeah. hard. This is <laughs> that's where it looked. That's where I was like, this is classic Doom, like super twitch, like you're bouncing off of enemies and off walls and stuff like that. Like that's yeah. where I was like. This is what I'm looking at. I think that they were just trying to set the mood in that first demo. And I was just like, uh, you know, those animations just take a little too long. I just um, thought it was super cool. I thought it was super cool how you got all the weapons in that demo. Like every weapon was yanked from a dead corpse. Uh, I thought that was cool. And the fact that they went, you know what? We're not trying to make a modern game. We're not We're not going to add crazy story or or you know, multi or uh, excuse me, um, role-playing elements. We're not going to have any concessions to modern gaming. We're just going to create this crazy, insane arcade shooter, just like it used to be. And yeah, it's going to be old school. And it's not going to be for everybody, but we're going balls out with this. I, I, I respect that. But what rig uh, do you think that was on? I mean, that looked face melting. Yeah. Well, it's that new engine, you know, I hope, that, yeah, I hope we get something like that on consoles or I hope even like the 980 Ti can handle that. I don't know. It was like the blood that was going everywhere and the reflections and the light that was coming in and bouncing around when they were in hell. I mean, kudos to Ed tech or, you know, I don't even know what the company is anymore. <laughs> Who's there anymore, but creating yeah. some, some graphically stunning, 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 uh, gameplay. Nothing soft. Sorry. I, I was just going to just jump over to, but if you want to finish on doom, that's, no, no, I was going to jump over to Ubisoft as well. I, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, can Ubisoft stop making the crew happen? Because it didn't happen. <laughs> so they need to stop trying to make it happen. Like, that game was not good. No one cares. I don't care about your DLC to add more content to that game. It's just like, I'm not down with it. Um, but it's like, here's the thing, man. And I, I'm going to say it, and I... It just drives me crazy. The the audacity of that company to have a trailer to reveal Syndicate to talk about how badly they messed up Unity 
to admit that they messed it up. And then they hype up Syndicate the exact same way <laughs> that they hyped up Unity and every other Assassin's Creed game. Like, you do not deserve to be able to do that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Do not talk about Assassin's Creed Syndicate like it's the next best thing you've ever done again. Because you said the exact same language about Unity, and that game was a train wreck, okay? So it is frustrating as hell when I'm sitting there hoping that they'll do something interesting. And it's like Ubisoft doesn't care about a franchise anymore unless they can turn it into an open world game. Like unless it can make it a giant universe where they can just add more content to it later or sell some season passes. It does not seem like they give a hell about it. Like what was Ghost Recon before? It was a really great tactical shooter. Now it's an open world Far Cry game. Like, Splinter Cell will never be made ever again because how do you make that into an open world game? Like they made racing games. That's an open world, like all of the United States now. Mm. It's like every single game is the same at Ubisoft and sometimes they nail it. Far Cry 4, amazing. Watch Dogs, horrific. Like sometimes (laughs) they do great. Sometimes they don't. It's just, it's frustrating where they're like, here's the new Assassin's Creed game. We screwed up the last one, but this time we got your back. It's like, no, like why should I trust anything that's being said right now? Because the last time you did this, it was pure garbage. Hot, liquid garbage was that game. I hated it so much. And this is I played Rogue way better. Rogue was way better than Unity. And said by the guy uh, who owns Watchdog uh, Wii U. So you know you're a real fan. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> that was for a review, and I sent that out to a, uh, to a reader right quick. Don't want that hot garbage in my apartment. Watchdogs was garbage. I'm glad they didn't try to trot that back out. Um this unity was trash. I mean, like syndicate, it's like, I don't know what the, they want it to be. And they want it to be Madden. Like it needs to be their annual franchise. It's like, I get it. It was popular, but like, at what point do people just say like, enough is enough. Like, why should we believe a word you say when it comes to these games? It's I, terrible. I just, yeah. I don't know, Jeff, where you come down on this, but I feel like it's tough. Cause you want to mention these big games, but they're, they just, you know, continue to be disappointments, but then there are like, cool games uh you know dishonored was just a cg trailer but called it um that you know that and then what was that game with the guy i don't i don't know what his game was but i want him the game the the dude with the beard and the cane that was just like uh, uh, for honor yeah, i don't care about his game i want that dude man that dude <laughs> that dude <laughs> he, won brought three. he brought it yeah and, and it got me excited about his game in a way that um you know, watching uh, was it Jason Derulo or uh, who, who was the dancer singer? They <laughs> like you know, oh. there's a way to do things. I, I didn't need to see the Ford GT to get excited about Forza, but having that guy, assuming he's the real creative director of For Honor, <laughs> and not like the awesomest actor ever, like really got me excited for what is maybe a Dynasty Warriors game. I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't know what the game is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dynasty Dynasty Warriors with dueling somehow. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I will say to, to Ubisoft's credit, you know, we talked about um, more uh, female protagonists and and sort of this diversity thing catching on a little bit. The, you know, there was this watershed moment where we had uh, Aisha Tyler talking to um, Angela Bassett. And they were the only two people on stage and they're talking about a video game shooter. Like that's, that's kind of amazing. Like that's never happened before. Two black women on stage alone and they're talking about video games and a video game shooter. It's that's, that's kind of a cool thing. Um, And that game is the only open world game that, that, that is, it is the only game that wasn't open world, I think. Yeah. And that straight up is how Rainbow got its groove back. Like Angela Bassett (laughs) in that game, it looks hype. I'm super pumped for that game. That game looks, that game looks like the tactical planning game that I remember 
uh, without having the little chart coming up and you have to actually line sketch it all out. But like, yeah. I'm, I'm super excited to play that. That game is not for me at all, but I, I appreciate it from afar. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, we, we can wrap up. We've been going on, we've been going two hours strong now. And, and, uh, you know, I think the five by five folks just went to bed. I think they just texted me that they're, they're, they're going to bed. We can sign off whenever we want, but so we kind of have the run of the place. If there's anything else you guys want to talk about, I, you know, I, I think overall the first half of this E3 is, it got me so excited for games. There's, there's so much, uh, so much to be excited about. So many games. I mean, there's so many games that I've seen on the show floor that didn't even make it into any of the press conferences, uh, because there's just wasn't room. There's just not room for the amount of awesome stuff there is. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think this year is strong. 2016 is going to be even stronger. I'm sure a lot of the stuff we see is going to be pushed to 2017, but, but, uh, what are your guys' sort of overall thoughts? Any, any, I mean, Christian, you and I will be back uh, on Monday to have a wrap-up show. We'll do another big E3 show where we're talking about more stuff that we had hands-on with. But, uh, Zav, what is your feeling about, uh, you know, here we are after all the press conferences? How do you feel about this E3? I'm liking it. There, there's a lot of games we didn't bring up, like uh, South Park the and the Fractured Butthole. Best title of a video game of all time. Uh, that, um, that game looks, I really loved stick truth. So I'm, I'm super happy about that. Um, dishonor too. I love that they're going back into the story and Emily is now the, one of the protagonists in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, all grown's up and yeah. now she's an assassin. That's pretty rad. I just we didn't really talk about gameplay of it. I, I, I just, you know, yeah. I don't need no CG trailer, bro. I don't need no CG trailer. And, and it's and nice fact, to know it's out there. The fact that, that Bethesda, for, one of the things I didn't say that I should say is that Bethesda, first time ever doing a press conference, knocking it out of the park as far as yeah. pace and sort of meat and how things are put together and going from one thing to another and Todd Howard's great presentation. It just, it all felt really good. And also the idea, you know, something I've been harping on for a long time now on this show, which is show me games when they're closer to release. Uh, and, you know, and they totally did that with Fallout 4. I give them lots of credit. And then Dishonored 2, like, you didn't need to, you didn't need to just give us a CG trailer. Like, wait, wait, wait until you're ready. Anyway, go ahead. I was waiting for um, Rogue Warrior. What was that game with Mickey Rourke that they released years? Like Bethesda is actually like nailing things now. Yeah. When they were starting to publish things, it was a little rocky of a start. We didn't mention Fallout Four at all, really, other than the DLC thing. There's uh, so and much to that game. It's it actually frightened me. That it's mine. It's Minecraft. It's um like a uh, an entire crafting system where you could build anything. Yeah. Uh you can make your like horde mode is built baked into that thing. You know what you, I needed out of a 200 hour role playing game? More shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I wish I could do in um in Fallout is make buildings now. <laughs> what? No. Why do you hate my free time, you monsters? <laughs> you, Leave me alone. But I will I say, the, like, the, the best uh, thing about Fallout... My poor wife. <laughs> your poor wife, indeed. You're not going to have a wife after Fallout. <laughs> exactly. Fallout is your wife now, sir. Um, <laughs> the, the, the thing I always loved about the Fallout franchise is looting crap, is scavenging, is, is getting bits and pieces of gunk and junk and opening every single drawer and sh- you know looking through every single abandoned wastebasket and finding a little piece of c- 
crap that I then stick in my inventory and stress about how much weight I'm carrying. And now this game, it's like they doubled down on that obsession of mine and said, every little bit of crap can be useful. So don't throw anything away. I just, I, I think that's so great. It's like feeding that compulsion in such a fun, interesting, cool way. Oh man, I hope that that stuff doesn't weigh a lot or else you're not going to be able to carry much of it as you're walking through the, yeah. the wasteland. I'm, I'm just so pumped for it. Uh, it, it just looks exactly like I want it. Like that's exactly what I was imagining. It's the same engine. It's just new lighting systems attached to it. And so it's not like a completely overhauled thing. It's going to have that Bethesda jank, I'm sure, because they're making like, they're basically making everything they've created. Like, I mean, and this goes to illustrate something that a lot of people who support Kickstarters don't realize sometimes. It takes a long time to make a game. Todd Howard said they started conceptualizing this after Fallout 3. Right. But the game has been in development proper for four straight years. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time to make something this huge. So I'm I'm just, I'm super pumped for what they can do. I love, I've interviewed Todd Howard before. I love listening to him talk about games. And talk about what they do over there because he's just like he explodes with excitement and just starts swearing because he doesn't know how to contain himself. (laughs) And like that's what I like about developers who are off script and just get you can see the glee in their eye about all the crazy stuff they're making. And like, did they need to make a crafting system or like the Sims in their game? No, but why not? And um, and then they slipped the pit boy on it, and now I'm married to it because they have that stupid collector's edition that everyone wants. Is that the greatest collector's me. edition of all time? Uh, I think <laughs> yeah. it's easy to say that, but yes, does, does, does anybody know a price tag yet for that? Has have that been revealed? Um, it's sold out. Looking, it's 150. Oh God, is it 150? 150? It's the same price as an elite no. controller. It's $130 after tax, I think. Wow. It's wow. not, it's, it, it could have been more. I'm surprised it's not more money. I'm glad it's not more money. So this, this is going to be our game of show, right, Jeff? I mean, it kind of has to be. Uh, I mean, it's, it certainly is a, I don't want to spoil anything, guys, but it certainly is a high contender. That's for sure. Especially with it being this year. I mean, I think you and I might go back and forth on it. I think something like Halo five could have the chance of really grabbing me but that being said i'm always willing to bend to new and while Warzone, i think looks awesome and i think fable legends could be a really fun game everything that fallout is doing and the fact that it's coming on the day that tomb raider franchise dies um is, is Dude, i think tomb raider is is another major contender for me for game of show but yeah, I think the two the two highest contenders are like coming out on the same day. It's <laughs> crazy, crazy. Yeah, whereas at least Tomb Raider, I think you can play it on the show floor, mm-hmm. whereas Fallout is not playable at all, which is weird for a game that's coming out in November. Right. Yeah. Oh, guys, this has been uh, an incredibly fun time. Uh, we have again another E three episode coming on Monday. Zav, thank you for spending your evening with us. I really. You were the first person I thought of uh, for this, and and I love talking games with you, man. So thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me spew my nonsense. I'm sure chat absolutely adored me, dude. Crapping on all of the things that they love. Oh no, you. you <laughs> they love you, man. As do I. And uh, why don't you tell people where they can keep up with you if they enjoy more of your said crapping? 
Uh, I am on Twitter at XAV, a uh, three character Twitter handle. I got That's a lucky. coup. That's a coup, baby. It is. And um, I'll just say that um, uh, you might be hearing from me um, soon with something Ooh, in the next couple, of, next couple of weeks. Well, you know next where to go weeks. if you need to promote that thing. Uh, come back and visit us, man. We'd love having you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. I love it. Absolutely. Christian, um, what are you up to, man? What are things? What's your, oh, what's your Twitter know. handle? At Spicer. Um, long away, far away things. I'll be doing shows at the Seattle Comedy Underground over PAX weekend. I'll be doing shows in Austin around um, Labor Day. I'm bringing improv versus stand-up there. It's the Out of Bounds Fest. I'll be doing stand-up. If you're in L.A., I do regular shows at Nerd Melt called Sketch Melt Sketch Show. I do improv versus stand-up at UCB Franklin and Trifecta at UCB Sunset. And I have a comedy album out called Moment in Time. But you guys, E3. E3, baby. E3. So we'll be back on Monday at our regularly scheduled time with our big wrap-up. Um, we've just begun to cover the show, really. That was just tonight. This massively long, ex- uh, extra special episode was just about the press conferences. But the real meat of the show started today and continues over the next two days. And I'll be having lots of hands-on with things, as will Christian. And we'll be we'll be back. Uh, I don't know who our guest is going to be next week, but I'll, I'll, we'll grab somebody good. And uh, we'll be there to to tell you all of our firsthand experience of all the games that we've just scratched the surface with. So be back here Monday, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Excuse me. Oh, that's right. 11 a.m. Pacific time. Um, chat room, you guys have been awesome. Thank you for being with us tonight. I've been reading all your stuff, uh, this whole time. It's been rocking and rolling. Um, it's been awesome having a, a different group of folks uh, because of this different time frame. But we'll be back, our regularly scheduled time. <sighs> I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed, guys. Uh, until, until next week, think about what you put out into the world, make it a better place. <laughs>